0: Welcome to the podcast. Click, pay, and download instantly.
1: What's up everyone, Jayce Two Cents here. We are at the grand reopening of the Micro Center store here in Denver, Colorado. We got a lot of people here, a lot of things to check out. Raffles, we're gonna build a computer and give it away. So we've got a lot to show you guys. So why don't we take a quick tour of the store and show you exactly what's new. So if you've never been to a Micro Center, it's actually quite interesting. Everything is on display. We're talking pre-built systems, laptops, tablets, and you can get hands-on with it. You come into the store, everything's on display. They got a knowledgeable staff to teach you about it. If you have any questions, but we're talking anything you can imagine. We've got Surface laptops, we've got Asus, Acer, Samsung, you name it, it's all on display. I don't know about you, but one of the most frustrating things to try and buy online is a monitor. You have no idea what it's going to look like until you get it set up. And finding a store to go and check out these monitors in person is kind of difficult. So that's why Micro Center has pretty much every monitor they sell on display. We're talking basic panels for your basic uh, web browsing and word processing, all the way up to your extremely high refresh rate, high resolution gaming panels so you can come into the store see it on display and find just the right panel for you Now we're going to go over to build your own. Trust me, I know a lot of you guys are watching this video because you want to see more about computers. And yes, Micro Center is an amazing computer store, but it's not just computers. As you can see behind me, we have a wall of multimedia. This is TVs, the latest Samsung QLEDs, LG OLEDs. It's all on display. You can see it in person. But not only that, you can also get any supplies you need for your home cinema or home theater. We're talking TV mounts, speaker mounts, speakers obviously, wiring. It's all available right here at Micro Center. So here we are in the build your own section of Micro Center. This is this is probably why you're here watching this video. So this is the case section right here. They've got the popular cases on display because buying a case is one of those things that's not one size fits all and seeing it in pictures and seeing it in builds doesn't always tell the whole story so being able to see the case in person kind of get hands-on with it feel the weight of it the overall size makes it a lot easier for you to make your case purchase but as you can see over here we've got a complete section of 3d printing stuff as well a lot of do-it-yourself not just build your own but do it yourself you can even get all the components to do uh circuit boards and stuff here you name it you can do it but if we come over this way just kind of pan this way quickly, this whole section, this all the way to the wall down there is build your own. And they also have water cooling stuff in stock now because now they are stocking EK water block products. So let's go ahead and see what we can find over here and build your own. So if you want power supplies, they've got your power supplies. You want fans, RGB fans, they've got it. Look at this, all this right here. I don't mean viewers, we got viewers here too. This is the section that I'm excited about because we actually had to use this section today. We're building a system in the back room and we realized we didn't have a fill bottle to fill the system. Yeah, I know, right? So check this out. We actually have a full aisle of water cooling components, not just AIOs and closed closed loop coolers, but complete open loop stuff. So as you can see right here, this, this is the wall of fittings. So you've got all the different fittings on display. You can see what they are. You got your little pullout and there are your fittings right there. We have utilized this in the Tustin store many times in a pinch. We run down there, pick up a fitting and there it is. But as you can see, we've got radiators, tubing, reservoirs, pumps, parts as well. You need parts for your water cooling stuff. We're talking like O-rings and and different screws. They've got all of it. This, This whole section is neat, but this is obviously my pride and joy. Now graphics cards are one of those things that for the longest time was not really easy to go and buy. It wasn't in stock anywhere, but as you can see, Micro Center has a huge stock of graphics cards. The good stuff is all behind glass and then obviously there's a lot of it on shelves, even on the other side. So if you need a graphics card, this is where you're gonna find it. If you need memory, Obviously, they've they've got your memory right there. Look at it. Look at it. There's a lot of it. Now, of course, we need to talk about motherboards and CPUs. All of the latest and greatest, all the different brands, all the different chipsets, they are all here on display at uh, at Micro Center. The CPUs, you name it, they've got it. You definitely want to go into a Micro Center and check out the bundle deals because trust me when I say you will save a ton. But as you can see, whatever your taste may be, they're gonna have it. Now, obviously, in keeping with the theme of hands-on, you can see behind me, we have the peripheral aisles. We've got keyboards on display. Obviously, we have a huge Corsair set up behind here. So the best part about a store like this is, whereas you look at an online catalog, you can see a lot of the products and stuff, but you really can't get hands-on with it. Obviously, hands-on is the theme this newly remodeled Denver store for Micro Center. So Micro Center has this thing called the Knowledge Bar where you can bring in your products and you can get help and service and a little bit of training on how to use it if you have any questions. Uh, They also have a full featured service center as you can see behind me. If you have something that's not working right and it needs repair, and you're not comfortable doing it yourself, then you can get it done here at Micro Center. But a little fun fact, the Knowledge Bar was actually out before the other service bar that's out there, which we won't name. So as I mentioned in the start of this video though, I'm not here just to show you guys what's new at the Denver store. I am here to build a water-cooled computer that will be raffled away today. So you know what we gotta do now? We gotta go build it. So here's the build right here Shiloh was the lucky winner of the build the Swift monitor as well as the keyboard the mouse the mouse pad and uh, Obviously the tower being the most important part. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you And uh, yeah, so guys huge. Thank you to micro Center for bringing me out here for this grand opening getting to build this computer Which we're gonna have to switch some lights out on real quick though because yeah uh, I jaded if that makes (laughs) sense. So Guys, if you live in the Denver area, come and check out the newly remodeled new grand opening or re-grand opening of the Micro Center store here in Denver. Anything you could possibly need in terms of tech, multimedia, on-the-go mobile devices, or obviously build your own, you're going to find it here. Thanks for watching, guys, and as always, we'll see you in the next one.
0: If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating and leave a review.
2: Are you expecting a child tax credit? Deposit and spend it securely with the BB&T Money Account Prepaid Card. It makes managing your everyday spending easy. Apply for a prepaid card at bbnt.com/moneyaccount.
3: Welcome to MGP four thirty eight. I'm Kevin. With me as ever, the sheepdog Anna and Pab. Say hello, boys and girls. Hello. 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 I say, oh, listen to him, Mister Cheerful, like he's well rested. <laughs> I, uh, I say, with me as ever. I thought this was. I thought this podcast was going to have a whole other tone this week. We've spent the last hour <laughs> speculating about whether or not Pab was dead because. He doesn't set an alarm when he falls asleep immediately before recording, apparently. <laughs> you rascal. No wonder you're so uh, cheery. Fashionably late. Are you, are you well rested? Did you have a nice nap? No, clearly not. Did you have a lovely dream? <laughs> no. What did you dream about, Pat? <laughs> I, I do not know. And we uh, we discovered, despite being workplace associates for a number of years now, um, none of us have Pap's phone number, so we weren't able to phone him and ring him up. I was on Google Maps and everything thinking, right, I want to watch the wrestling that starts at 3 a.m. Can I get to Bolton and back in four hours? And it's not. It would take me like four and a half, 4.45 four right. to go there and back. So I thought, oh, I'm going to miss CM Punk's debut in, a- in AEW if I drive up there. So if he's dead... We'll just have to find out in the morning. But it turns out you're not, Ted, which is excellent news. Would it have
4: been appropriate
3: for you to turn up at Pab's house? <laughs> like, where are you? It's two in the morning.
4: You're just I, knocking on his door. That's <laughs> what baffles me. Is it,
3: how
5: do you... N- none of you have my number, but you have my address. Yeah. Because you m- sent me
3: a gift, know, which had a return <laughs> address on from Amazon. And we've and sent wrote him gifts. I it down in my
4: address book. I've sent Pab gifts. I have his
3: address somewhere. Yeah, because yeah, I gave it to you. Yeah.
4: Maybe. 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 So, Maybe yeah, it I could just... What we should have done
3: is looked Pab's up. We should have looked Pab up in the phone book. Well, we got we have his address. We know his name. Yeah. We could have looked him up in the phone book. That's a if really good home point. Phone number. How alarming would that have been? The home phone going off at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, that would have panicked you. Yeah.
4: You realise, like, because we record these all separately on our own devices, we could just ring on the mobile and not rely on the internet and talk over the phone. That could be how we do it. We record That would be horrible,
3: anyway. horrible Ugh. audio.
4: We don't put that audio out, do we? We just chat to each other.
3: And we record on what, our you want to do like a conference call for yeah, the tr- bit. I'm that just we saying
4: do. if the internet's down or whatever, we can still record on our individual devices and upload the, the content later, can't we?
3: It sounds complicated. What would Craig do? Well, you haven't even put him in this week. He's not Craig's there. A week I don't I don't do anything to do with Craig. Pabs, Craig's friend. We've never met Craig. We should have asked Craig for Pabs <laughs> phone number.
2: I yeah, think he
5: probably hey, has it, just doesn't he? Step in for me this
3: week. <laughs> yeah, what's the point of having a super fancy producer man if he doesn't have your phone number? Ridiculous, Craig! You're a waste of space. It's all gone wrong because you're not here. Is Craig dead? Have we checked on Craig? Um, I mean, if the curse is going to take Craig, I'm not
4: really worried about That's that.
3: A, yeah, exactly. We're not bothered, are we? That'll be that'll be fine. <laughs> Have you read um, your messages, I've...
4: Pab? I imagine your tweet, mes- Twitter messages, are probably a bit of a confusing mess, but I'll leave you to read that while Kev talks.
3: I, I kind of want to read through them because they're they're brilliantly worded. Um, so we've got come along, Pabby, at ten thirty. which we do to start at ten, and then at eleven o'clock on the dot? I'm going to assume you've taken a nap. <laughs> um, fingers crossed. Due to a missed alarm and not... I'm assuming you're going a nap, which you haven't awakened from. Fingers crossed due to a missed alarm and not from being dead. We'll give the podcast a miss this week, I guess. Don't be dead. Next message, two minutes later. Send a message when you wake up. Sheepdog thinks you've been murdered by Howard the
4: Duck.
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> which he did.
4: Yeah, and then read my message, because that covers everything.
3: Well done. I've, I've closed my... Uh, that's not strict... So, sheepdog... That's not strictly the issue. It's a whole curse thing that has haunted me since 1995. I've probably mentioned it before. I don't think you have, by the way. I don't think you ever mentioned it before. I'm pretty sure. Not to us, anyway. Well, we'll keep it personal. Now we know. We'll
4: keep it private. Yeah, you now. Now you know to send me warnings if that son of a bitch is in anything in future <laughs> um because that was yeah that was a very tense 15 minutes Pab. i'm not gonna lie um i thought he claimed another one and um yeah i need warnings
3: silly old oh. abby so Pab's near-death experience aside how's everyone's week been are we all good yes yeah yeah, 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 I'm all right. It's
7: new game day, so it's always a good Yeah, good well, in that game.
3: case, if, if we're all good, let's defy convention and jump straight into games. If Sheepdog wants a tight 48 minutes, then we'll do a tight 48 minutes and just miss out on the nonsense at the start because it's new game day multiple times over. Um, we've got is Humankind, it? which is out on um, PC and through Xbox Game Pass. You've got your Ghost of Toshiba... Um, rejiggle nonsense said, and DLC you go re-jiggle. Toshiba Toshiba <laughs> it's not Sh-sh-sh- a TV Sh-sh- it's not, it's not tiramisu either. <laughs> yes. The company well, went bust. I can't believe after I cannot believe after a year of Anna saying Ghost of Tiramisu, I attempt to say Tsushima, <laughs> get it wrong, and that's what's funny. Uh, uh,
4: yeah, but you're a, a, a lyricist, a, a vocal
3: professional. I would like to take the record to show that I said Tsushima. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're still laughing at, and I don't understand why. Because that's what it says on the box. It <laughs> Talk like, about your damn silly it sounds game.
7: Like it's like, Toshiba, like the technology. It's quite funny. Uh, um. So the PS5 director's cut came out today. Mm-hmm. So if you have a PS4 version from.
5: Oh yeah, I want to like say this. last year. Explain how you how you went around about going there, about this, Anna, because oh, it's quite some...
7: easy.
5: Oh, well, yeah, it was in the end. But this week I have had to go around some houses trying to fathom out how you go about getting this. Have you you physical I... or digital though?
7: I've got physical this. Right,
5: I've got digital. Yeah, I'll explain. You uh... go on.
7: so yeah, so if you have a physical one, which I do, which came out, I want to say or any 20, then you yes. just go into the store, you pay your twenty four ninety nine. you get the PS5 version. As with all the updates that you get from PS4 to PS5, that's how you do it with a disc. Without a disc, ask Fab, because I have no idea how you do that.
5: Okay, so uh, before you Thursday, I think it kind of became clear but me thinking, well, I'm going to play it on stream. I want to get it sorted and installed and do something, like get be prepared for it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So at the start of the week, I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll look, up, I'll go in the store, surely now there is a point where you pre, pre-load it or something like that. It's a week before. But not yeah. even that, it's five days. And yeah, bear in mind, when I did download this, um, it's 90 gigs. So I thought, well, I don't want to do that day of. Like, when I get in when I get yeah, work... Yeah, but they've used
7: some technology, haven't they? All, all the gigs, all the downloads now are really small.
5: I, I, I genuinely don't know. Like yeah, I say, they've I say,
7: jigged it. it. So everything is really small. It's actually quite good. Interesting.
5: So carry on. So uh, I go into the store, and you look in there, and it's like, director's got... Okay, cool. Director's got... Let's do that. Uh, 70 quid. I was like, no, that's not
2: <laughs> what I'm after.
5: No. And then I was like, okay, so where is it? Okay, find find the director's cut on ps4 so I find the ps4 version still mm-hmm. 70 quid i like okay and you're looking to go into add-ons add on okay there you go director's cut add-on ps4 okay great okay where's ps5 nowhere to be seen on ps5 upgrade i was like okay then learn that like, there's like a there's like a director's cut add-on mm. and then there's a ps5 upgrade add-on as well um, so I think the director's cut will add on was something like nineteen ninety nine 99 or something like that, and then the, there is like a five ninety nine charge for a PS5 upgrade, which comes to about 25 quid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to do it, I, I would have had to do... I had to upgrade the PS4 version that I got into the director's cut on PS4 and then separately done a, another transaction to upgrade that to the PS5 version um really? and then yesterday a thursday uh it said i think online i think it checked something like if you want to upgrade there's like a whole twitter blog of it of like how to go about doing it because i didn't want i'm not doing that that seems like a really convoluted way of doing it and i'll just wait <laughs> until the day because then i see that there's just like a if you want to upgrade to ps5 wait till wait till friday when it comes out
7: I was like, oh, oh, okay. God,
5: seriously, so then I, and then and then I went into a whole thing of like what time does the game release and what have you. And I was like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's wait till midnight. odds are it might be out of midnight. It was uh, three minutes past midnight uh, wow. last night. I was just like, okay, let's check. And it, was, it is a uh, 25.99 it's Ghost of Tsushima Director's cut PS5. I was like, well, that's it, and then it, that is what I did. That's that's no longer saying 70 quid for me. Mm. Um and then I had to dance around the, the little matter of a save. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, because there it was a whole thing online again on, this, on the same thing yesterday, saying, like, how to transfer your save, and it shows a picture of the main menu, and it says, there's, a, there's, a like, a, a, a thing that says, transfer your PS4 save. I was like,
7: mm.
5: okay. So, effectively, I need to have a save pinged somewhere. See, they, they all said, like, you need to have the PS4 version of the game on your ps5 hard drive i had it on the external hard drive on the ps5 like all my ps4 games are so i then had to then so i moved it back across to the ps5 loaded that up and it said there's not there's no option there to transfer a save because i was thinking it's just going to put a save onto the ps5 somewhere that the ps5 version can find and then turns out just loading the ps5 version it's in there I was like, oh, I just <laughs> did a lot of fapping about sh- shuffling PS4 versions of games around for no reason. But yes, it, it works. It did what it did. I got the obligatory all the trophies that I need. All the trophies that I previously had on PS4 pop onto PS5.
7: Oh God, did they?
5: Yes, but the issue is with that is that I got the platinum on the PS4. Um, there's obviously no. Yeah. There is no dlc there is now a multiplayer mode which wasn't there when i completed it uh so i think i have 25 trophies of 77 so no longer have the platinum on the (laughs) ps5 that is mean
7: yeah
5: and i'm like oh no, i've got to go can i can i be bothered to do it again and the answer is yes because this game is still very very good yeah it's a very very it's good the, game, not it? It's so so very good. Like I say, I finished it and I loaded up exactly where I started where I finished last time, and it then pops up going, oh, there's a new, there's like a new island. Like, okay, you go to like <laughs> a, you go to like an area on the second island, I think it is.
7: Yeah,
5: and you then take a boat across to an island which is uh, mean. was a, it's a, it's a an island that just full of full of baddies, again, and just want to kill you. And then, very quickly, becomes a fact of like, I've not played this for the <laughs> <for my laughs> best part of a year. I yeah. don't know how to play this game, and everyone just wants to kill you, and it's just it's it's no messing about either. It's, it comes up like when you get on the boat, it's like this is a, this is a step up for you if, if you've not if you've not yeah. like. It's, it's not just going to let you, it's not going to just hold your hand. It's going to start just throwing like every kind of enemy at you that, 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 that is like kind of relatively end ish. It's not, it's, it, it's, because you can start, I think, the game from like what? I've started
7: you... it from the start.
5: you started the whole game again?
7: Yeah.
5: Oh, you right. Met okay. Anna, right? I like starting things from
7: the start.
5: Yeah, I—I'll be honest with you. i i have almost did. Uh, I almost did new game plus because I thought I don't know how long this game is, how long this mm-hmm. is, this DLC. So I thought I, I kind of want to start again, but then I, I don't know. We'll see. I might start a new game plus because uh, I realize just, I don't
7: like, know what because I haven't played it for so long. I have no idea what the controls are.
5: I'll be honest with you. So. I thought. I thought to myself, well, on my way to this 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 marker on the map. No, this 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 place I've got to go to start the DLC. I'll find a load of people. Turns out no, there's not many. There's not tons of people. there's Supposedly people there. and I was told and filmed on stream today that there, there should be some people roaming around still. Uh, we didn't find anybody. I thought no. I'll just I'll just find. One. I'll just I'll just kind of ease myself back into it. Um, but um, yeah, it's still very much that game. It's still mm-hmm. very much that thing. There you do get. There's some new horse abilities. Oh, okay. You now get an ability on a horse that you get the ability to charge. So if you find like a roaming pack of uh, Mongol um, enemies, then you can just kind of rush them and just kind of charge them right the way and insta kill them with your horse. It uses up the the, um, the not the stamina bar. It's like a bar in the bottom left, isn't there, I can't remember what it's called now, mm. but it is. It uses some of that up. But it's effective. It's like it's like bowling. (laughs) You just just charge into it. (laughs) clatter all of them over like bowling pins. Um, It's useful. So there's that new ability. There's also new there's new abilities that you know. There's some sort of abilities where you you know where the the wind can show you things, isn't there? Mm Because I I forgot about that. Where the the wind is your directional compass, sort of thing.
7: Yeah.
5: And I think there's one for like. Bow and arrow challenges and one for something else. It's just basically other things to set the set the waypoints to. Either arrow, okay. arrow challenges or something, some other collectible. Um, yeah, it is very. It runs nice. Is like a, a high high frame rate or high performance mode or something like that?
7: There
5: is no, hi, no high fidelity or high performance. I think there is. Um, and damn, does that game look? It is. It is pretty damn crisp on the uh, on the PS5. It is. It uh, is. It lovely re- looking. Yeah, it really is. Really, really is. It's. Um,
7: and it loads really fast.
5: And it loaded quick on the PS4. It is.
7: Yeah, but like the fast travel is like I timed it. It's literally like two seconds.
5: Yeah, it is literally. You it's click mine. on. I timed it. You, you I did. click <laughs> on two. You don't get a chance to even think about it, really. You like no. you click on you click on a fast travel, it, lo- it, it like kind of goes face to black and fades back again, pretty much instantaneously.
7: It's ridiculous.
5: It, it, if, if they put a, like a like a tooltip or something on that that load screen, you don't see that enough to, to be able to read it. No. Um, it's no, bonkers. But it was like that. It wasn't that bad to begin with on PS4. It was surprisingly mm. quick on that. It's Ghost of Tsushima. Um, so, yeah, this this has been... the. Uh, I mean... <laughs> so i played it on stream. I feel like... Uh, I've played a little bit off stream as well. I reckon 20% of the playtime I've had has been back in photo mode again. I'll have to, at some <laughs> point, I'll have to ping. I'll put all my photos back out again on Twitter when I'm done, maybe. just Me just stopping going, OK, let's take a picture of that. That's very pretty. <laughs> let's just stop and just... OK, let's, let's get into photo mode and start messing about again. Wow. And the... the the upgrade on the controller as well. The controller is um, a nice. What the
7: back the, the adapt- adaptive
5: adaptive tri- triggers. Um, um,
7: There's wind. Can you know, hear wind? Yes. At certain points through the controller. Yes. It
5: has like the similar to Return. It has that little pitty patty of of the horse. or What yeah. you when you're riding it? And you can hear that you can feel the horses like hooves kind of tippy tapping on the controller when it's when it's riding. Indeed. It's um. It's a nice add-on. Is it? I mean, a lot of people have been like saying, "Should you be charging for a PS5 upgrade?" And I kind but of agree with that. you're not paying for an upgrade, are you? You're,
7: well. The twenty-four well, pounds that I paid was for the the whole cabang. But,
5: but 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 if you wanted to if you upgraded on PS upgrade to PS4, the director got on PS4. It's fifteen ninety nine, whatever it is, or there something like that. See. So. You're paying. You're paying. There is an upgrade cost, and see so it is... Can you it, not
3: upgrade without getting the DLC then?
5: Yes. No. Um, and is that free? Potentially, I don't know actually. Thinking about it, because no, that's not free. I don't think it. It wasn't. It wasn't before. It wasn't before yesterday, Thursday. As of this, it wasn't before that because it was. It was something like a five ninety nine. Was it? $15.99. You
7: know, I, I saw
5: a 15.99 one. Yeah, I think that was for. I think that was to upgrade to the director's cut for, on PS4, and then the All next, right. and then there was an extra cost to upgrade to PS5, which is what I was having to do, like two separate transactions to get to where I wanted it to be. Um, but they have taken. I think I might be. I don't know if this is factually accurate now, but as of like, I'm aware it. They took, they've t- removed Ghost of Tsushima, just regular edition from PSN now. You cannot buy anything else oh. but the director's cut. So... Weird. You can't, you, you, that is the only version out there now. Um, so you can't even get standard Ghost of Tsushima unless you get in a disc version now, I don't think. Unless they change that. But I mean, why would they, I suppose, if, if that the, the, like, the definitive version is there now? For the same price. I don't know. I don't know, but it is... Uh, it is strange. I don't know how, how, how they did everything. It was weird.
7: But everyone's going to complain about it. Well, people are going to uh, yeah, complain about Yeah, Because everything.
5: like, there's so many games Like, have just been like, there's a free upgrade to PS5. And this one's kind of sneaked, snuck in with... It's it's not a free upgrade because it's because they're trying to sneak it in with a director's cut. Mm. Um But yeah, it's 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 good. I just it think if, it,
7: if a game didn't come out in its in the release window of the PlayStation Five, I think fair enough. That if they want to charge it, then charge. This is a twenty twenty game. So over yes. a year old. If they want to bring out an upgrade version, then why not? So they bring up do, upgrades of. They... um GTA Five and all that shebang. So why not? Yeah,
5: they did. Mm -hmm. I think think, because they did do it. They did like PS Five. Not they didn't do a full PS Five version, but they they made the PS Four version run like a lot better and give it some sort of bells and whistles to run better on the PS Five. A few months back, so they did. They did that with it. And then they did this one, and then they're like, "Well, no, you want it. No, you have to. You have to pay for it. Pay to upgrade that, as well as getting the director's cut. Which, uh, I, like I say, I can kind of understand it. I can also see why people would be a bit annoyed of it, especially if you just want to just get but the, the thing. thing is you don't
7: have to buy it. Do you know
5: what I mean you don't have? to. You kind of do though. If you you kind of have to if you want to play the DLC, you can't buy the DLC yeah, standalone. You have to buy the director's cut. To get the dlc you can't buy like just just the...
3: can you just buy the ps4 version and play it on the ps5 yes
5: uh yes i think you could but
3: obviously so you kind of can get but there the is, DLC. There, is but
5: there is no way of buying the, the standalone ps4 version anymore you buy it has any. to be by the director's cut, which uh, is okay. 70 quid
3: that's just a standard ps5 but game that's the price, ps4
5: price of a game because you're getting the base game and the DLC with that. So they charge 70 quid oh, okay. of that, regardless, on PS4. So it's um it's a bit naughty. And that's
3: why they should be on Game Pass. Everything should be <laughs> oh, on Game Pass. It. it
5: would make it's things way, so much innit? easier.
3: Yeah. Because yeah. I nearly dropped 40 quid on a game this week. I sat there, and because I was going to have to buy it, I actually did a lot of reading about it, looking at reviews before I started. I'm talking about Humankind, the new game that is basically a Civilization clone, but a little bit different. And so I did loads of reading about it. So, yeah, you know what? I am going to spend 40 quid on this. Hadn't even checked Game Pass. It hadn't occurred to me it was going to be on Game Pass. So I didn't check. Um, But then... (laughs) Just as I was about to drop the money, I remember that 2Game, who are one of the companies that I partner with, had a discount on it. And I went on Twitter to find the discount for for the game. And while I was doing that, I noticed a tweet from Game Pass saying, it's free, day one on Game Pass. And I'm like, this service is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. (laughs) So I just downloaded it for nothing. Um, I haven't played it yet because I've been... Knees deep in Minecraft and Football Manager game, which we'll get to in a little while, um, but it is absurd value that a game that if this is anything like the replayability of Civilization, this game is going to be hundreds of hours of entertainment, and it's just there when I want it for nothing.
4: It's it was mad. interesting because you obviously put out the other day. Do people want to watch you play Minecraft or humankind? And I was like, is humankind out, and so I. As we've mentioned, been spending all my time trying to find birthday present ideas and I thought I could get that for my birthday. It's civilization, yay. And then saw it was free and was like, For goodness sakes, will the universe not let <laughs> me spend money on something this week? Um so I downloaded it and fired it up and I am playing, I'm playing it now, to be honest. I've been playing it at the start of the because I'm doing an Anna this week, I've been playing it while you've been talking. Um <laughs> it is Very, very much like civilization. Um it has lots of cool I mean, the newest civilization doesn't ask you for input on like society questions, does it? Like mine asked me they said, Oh, people were playing with dice and now it's turned into a bit of a a problem where people are gambling and a farmer's just lost his entire wealth to a peasant because he lost at a game of dice and I had to decide whether to ban gambling allow gambling and tax it or just leave them to sort it out and i just left them to sort it out i was like whatever get on with it um yeah that
3: is a little bit different from civilization because the the idea is you're not just one civilization that's sort of shoehorned into history your civilization develops and changes throughout history so it's got little shades of almost like democracy in there democracy three from a few years ago it's got shades of crusader kings in there as well um like i said did lots of reading about this game
4: so at the moment, um, I am 164 turns in. You are restricted on how many cities you're allowed to have before it affects your influence. So um, That's in the
3: one of the recent civs. I think that's Civ 5 yeah. that's in there.
4: Now, I built two cities and was quite happy that I had two cities and they were in good places, not too far from each other. And there was a little civilization called Nock that started next to me and seemed quite... They were like a, an influenced one a bit like civilization those nation states the little ones i kind of just sat there and thought right i'll give them your bit of money try and make them like me they ended up joining me and i thought okay i've got three cities now this is brilliant that was rather quick but you know i am awesome so i can see why they joined me um and then i met the mayans and they kept putting cities right on my border and it kept saying right you're upset about this you need to have a word with the mayans And so, as when you talk, so in in Civ, when you talk to people, you're allowed to trade with them, ask them whether you can like open borders, be allies, stuff like that. Um, you you have, um, or you can declare war on them. In this, you have relations, which just seems to be declare surprise war, declare war, propose an alliance. You have trade, which just seems to be very transactional. Like, uh, they have incense. I can click buy, and it will tell me that there is um, you know it it'll take two days to get to me and it's going to cost me 100 coins to do it and there's no bartering there i thought right i'm gonna make her give me a load of horses because she's annoyed me but it wouldn't let me do that it just says i can i can give her 100 gold for horses or i can get lost and um, treat is at this point in the game i'm only in the classical era seem to be that we can either forbid trading trade luxuries trade everything reveal capital or share my entire map with her um have closed borders open borders Uh, tolerate skirmishes, I don't really know what that means or have a non-aggression pact so we we quickly agreed a non-aggression pact but then she kept building on my borders and these crises appeared so it tells you you have a grievance with them you can either demand they don't do it or you can demand they resolve it So sorry, you can either demand they don't do it and they give you whatever they've done that's wrong or you can just go I'll let you off this time, so a few times I was like I'll let you off I'll let you off and then she started being cocky like, ah, I'm beating you again. So I started making demands. And basically, she keeps building cities outside my uh, my borders and then immediately giving them to me. So I'm like, give me, give me that city. She's like, all right, fine. So now I've got six cities and my cap's actually four. So I went from having influence of like 600 to having influence of minus 1,000 and i've managed to over the past 60 moves i've clawed it back up to 13 someone plus 13 influence at the moment but i just met a new civilization and i wasn't able to agree any trade with them or anything because you need to have 20 influence to agree certain bits and pieces with them and i don't have that yet because the mayans have ruined my influence and um, i was trying to figure out whether i could just burn the cities to the ground but apparently you have to research some sort of military tactic that lets me merge cities so i've got I've got four cities that are on, they're all, they're all bordering each other because she kept building them exactly on my border. And when I get this military tactic, I'll just turn them into one big, massive, awesome city. Um, In fact, I might, I'm I'm hoping that I can take the, she's got this massive one right down the middle of my kingdom. And I'm thinking if I could just demand that from her, which will put me seven out of four. But then when I merge them all, I can just have one giant country that takes over most of the continent. But, um, yeah it's it's fascinating i i'm i should say 164 moves in
3: have you had any actual war yet
4: i wanted to declare war on her and when i look to do it it says um if i declare war i've got 100 percent support for a war so apparently if you don't have support for a war it upsets your people they become you know they turn on you a bit and that kind of thing they don't fight very well like, but uh, her people are only 55% up for the war. But if I declare war, they gain 40%, which would put my 95%, and then they'd be up for it. So I don't want to declare war because then her people will be up for fighting back. I don't want her to declare it or to just keep making demands. So at the moment, my list of demands are basically give me one, two, three, four, five cities and yeah, let yeah, me see yeah. her map.
3: Because um, she- apparently, that's the key way it's different from civilization, is the way war works with the war support thing that you've already mentioned. And also, um, apparently, you can have multiple war turns within each game turn. So you could have, like, four or five um battle turns taking place within one game turn, which means wars, theoretically, are going to be a lot more tactical and probably over a little bit quicker. So we've probably all... Anyone who's played a lot of Civilization has probably had those wars that somehow managed to take 700 years yeah. because you just well i'll attack a little bit oh well i'll attack a little bit more next turn and it, it, the idea is it avoids that kind of thing and you get your skirmish dealt with much more quickly
4: it's exactly the same uh, population setup where you have food that gives you people so the more you focus on food the more population you have the more you focus on the industry, the quicker things build. The, quicker, the more you focus on money, the quicker you have money to pay for things. Uh, and science is there for research. I feel like this is the first time in a game like this... I mean, I've, I'm sat here with 4,203 gold. And I've not focused on that at all. I, I always plough everything into food and industry. Because, I mean, that's just who I am, you know. Food and industry, that's me. Productivity, food, 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 food. Um, mm-hmm. I think what I tend to do is focus on them till technology exists and I go mad for science um, but somehow I've ended up with loads of money and um, I mean there are lots of bits on the map that you can stumble across which I suppose is probably part of the reason why so my scouts are just walking around finding little bits of gold or an animal's like den or something like that and just getting points from it um, there's no barbarians that I've seen yet at least on the map Uh, But there are roaming animals like bears that I I just avoided attacking them and then got an achievement for not killing any animals in the first 100 years or something like that. So I don't know what my people were eating because apparently they're vegans. They didn't kill anything. That wasn't intentional, but I didn't kill a single animal apparently. Um, They do keep just roaming through my city though, which looks quite mad on a map where the houses are small and the bears are giant. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it does seem like if with a few tweaks. It feels like it's it's flowing nicer. I'm, I've got a bit of a conundrum at the moment that I'm losing uh, stability in that, that nation state. I talked about how they liked because I was awesome and all of this. They The stability in my city has suddenly dropped to um, 30% and I'm told if I don't build it back up, it's going to make them throw a mutiny. But I don't really understand. It's telling me every five turns it's going to go up until it reaches 59 at the moment. So I guess whatever the problem was has got better. But I keep getting random things pop up. Like it said, some bloke claimed he was the original royal family, like next in line for the throne, and I, you know, was a barbarian who butchered his people. And I'm like,
3: Your your that country does sound like the sort of thing you do. I like,
4: your country joined me because I got a bar chart high enough by giving you money. Like I'm not really sure who killed who there. I gave them about a grand and they went, Yeah, go on then. So I just uh I think I, I can't remember what I did now. I think I gave his family renum— re, I can't even say it—renumerations, um, and and yet apparently the city hates me at the moment. And I don't—I don't really know what to do. It seems quite prosperous. I was sat here. i would be giving a new faith upgrade because you, you also set your religion, which I know you do in Civ. Um, we're we're Zao shamans apparently. Um, rule number one was purge all idleness. Don't be lazy, which again is a very non-non-me thing. And then uh, I've got to pick rule number two of my religion. And I'm sat here thinking, do I try and make them... There's one that raises stability in all of the towns and villages that I've got. And all the kind of cities I've got, sorry. Um, if I wasn't facing this problem right now, I'd probably focus on like, you know, don't eat so much food. Or, you know, focus on science or something beneficial long term. But right now I'm thinking I'm going to lose one of my cities if I don't, you know, make them more stable. And uh, I know I'm about to go to war with the Mayans, so it also gives you better combat strength. So I'm sort of thinking maybe the tier two tenet of my religion should be focused on a very short-term goal. Um, There's only three tiers to shamanism, apparently. I wonder whether I evolve my religion onto a new type of religion later. Because that's another thing um, that we haven't mentioned, actually. Um, You get a choice of what type of civilization you are at the beginning. And once you get to a new age, you change again so i started off that we were quite peaceful people that focused on diplomacy and then when i got to the classical era it said what do you want to do now and we're focusing on being merchants because i just thought i need a bit more money which is probably why i've suddenly got to four because actually i'm getting all of the the mercenary benefits but um I'm trying to see if it'll give me a list of all the other things because at the next era i'll get to change it and part of the game is that you whoever gets to the next era first gets first dibs so uh, i can't remember one one of the people the game automatically picked one of the really good ones for one of our rivals and so i couldn't pick it and that's why i went for the diplomacy one when i had the next choice i could have picked roman which would have made me better at waging war which i mean if i'd known the minds were going to be dicks i'd have probably done that one could have gone for greek could have gone for uh, celtic blah 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 so um yeah next era I, i'd have to see what's available but if i was a pro at it i'd obviously have planned ahead and thought right i'm going to start off here move to that move to that it might have been better to be diplomatic later on when people are a bit less thick um you know i've obviously maxed that out in in the wrong era probably in hindsight but um i think you can stick to the same one it'll it boosts your fame uh, you have you have a, a infamy kind of point and i think apparently i'm the most famous a moment i think or i was let me just check if it tells me um oh no i'm second who's number one now can't even tell they've got a ram's head for their badge i don't know who they are but i'm i'm the second most famous in the world now out of the six empires that are battling it out i may have to take down the mines. <laughs> i know it's outrageous i was top i've obviously took my after ball talking to you lot but i'm enjoying it it's one of those things where i finished work at 5 I thought I'll just put this on while I wait for the Mrs. Sheepdog to come home and it is midnight now and I have been playing it since <laughs> other than having, I went out for dinner that got to get food, come back and ate it. Um, yes. We don't normally sit around worrying about Pav. You know, we did that for like two hours. So um, yeah, I feel like I've genuinely been playing this for over six hours and I'm very much enjoying it. Um,
3: I'm no I'm no doubt going to have lots to say about it next week because as previously mentioned, I will be staying up until 3am tonight to watch the wrestling. Um, and as soon as we're done with the podcast, I plan on putting this on and basically playing this through until the wrestling starts at 3am. I would have played it earlier in the week if it hadn't been for my Twitch viewers constantly voting to play Minecraft instead. Hab is going to put in a little advert here and then I'll tell you what we got up to. A Minecraft Pabby advert.
2: Are you expecting a child tax credit? Deposit and spend it securely with the BB&T Money Account prepaid card. It makes managing your everyday spending easy. Apply for a prepaid card at bb moneyaccount slash After I got out of the Marine Corps, coming back home, it was just a mental breakdown for me. I was on the verge of giving up. That chapter, that season in my life was over. Now what? Who was I? That's what I kept asking myself. The pressure to have it all together, to heal, to quiet down the monsters inside, it was too much. I lost it. I had heard about the Wounded Warrior Project. I had seen the logo and that visual of a warrior carrying another warrior. The programs that the Wounded Warrior Project offers, it's not just the veteran themselves. It's, it's their whole family. It brings it all together. We have scars. That We carry and just because the scars are there doesn't mean that we're any less than what we were right now I am the best version that I ever have been of myself. I can embrace the brokenness You wouldn't go into battle alone. You don't have to fight this alone visit woundedwarriorproject.org slash not alone
3: Good work, Pabby beautiful advert <laughs> uh, well inserted. I'm um, so minecraft uh, me and Sheepdog have been continue- Well, I've been. I've got double bubble Minecraft because I've got my YouTube single player series that I've been working on, um, which I've played a lot of off camera as well this week, which is going really rather splendidly. Um, and then the multiplayer server that I'm in with Sheepdog and Pabby and Smoothman, and we have basically spent this week on the server continuing to search for a jungle, because jungles have eluded us for the. This server has been going for over a month now. I've paid for the second month subscription for the realm. It has been a while and we have no jungle. No jungle means no bamboo. bamboo. No bamboo means no big builds because you can't build scaffolding. I want to do some big builds to prepare us for taking on the dragon. And I need scaffolding to be able to do that. So we needed a jungle. We spent the week filling in maps, searching for jungles. I actually found earlier in the week two pieces of bamboo in a shipwreck so immediately ran back to base built myself a bamboo farm and by the time i set out looking for the jungle again um i had like 10 stacks of bamboo already my bamboo farm that i've got is very efficient we are not wanting for bamboo but by this point i'd kind of it'd become a thing we needed to find a jungle so after a couple of nights of playing with sheepdog and we were searching for jungles together not together in game chatting on discord both streaming but me s- systematically filling in maps near to base and sheepdog walking in a straight line for 7 hours straight across oh, two mate. streams across two nights to get 40,000 blocks away from home and basically losing his mind doing it
4: the second time <laughs> I was broken um it it became a proper thing didn't it um i i am quite surprised how how patient everyone was and how everyone was in it like i said didn't know like do, do people want me to continue you doing this or shall i just do it offline and you know next time they come on the stream it's oh, look i found it or i gave up because it wasn't there and everyone was like look now we want to see this through now She <laughs> so we, and luckily
3: um... they did get to see it through yeah. because the next night when you weren't on because you've got no commitment to the cause i came on showed everyone my bamboo farm and said I guess we'll go and find this jungle then. I didn't say we were going to look for the jungle. I told everyone we were going to go and find the jungle. And we set out in the one direction we hadn't been out in yet. I'd been basically working clockwise, um, going two or three maps away in every direction around from our base. I wasn't going in a straight line in one direction. I was going out for a bit, turning around, coming back, going out on a different spoke. So we went headed out on the last spoke. And within an hour of starting that stream... I found a nice little desert jungle. I was raiding the jungle and looked up and on the horizon, what did I see? But a jungle. And um, it was glorious doing it without Sheepdog there after he'd spent so much time (laughs) just walking in a straight line. Um, So I've got jungle trees. I've got cocoa beans. I've got even more bamboo. The one thing I haven't found is a panda, but I've got a selection of birds that now live with me back at the base. Um two birds, exactly two birds. There were never more than two birds. It was exactly two birds. No other birds were with me ever, and none died on the way back. There were always exactly two birds. Two birds now live with me back at base. And um yeah, splendid time was had by all. Sheepdog, meanwhile, is still forty thousand blocks away <laughs> from base with zero birds.
4: Uh yeah. I um I just thought I got on the stream before you one night and I just said, look, I'm going to get my stuff and I'm going to walk and I'll probably die, but let's see how it goes. Um, I meant in-game, but I feel like it's more likely I'm going to die in real life because <laughs> I'm just like I got just in the habit of holding down the button and just jumping at the right times and not really thinking it through. I was just yeah, going for it. It was. I, we come across villages, we come across little areas, just I kept finding horses, riding them for a bit, leaving them at the coast, getting on the next horse I saw, riding that across the land. And, you know, just exploring, seeing what the game has. So it was just fun seeing what was there. But, I mean, now we've got a jungle. I kind of, a, part of me was thinking about going on there earlier. Before I played Humankind, I was just going to go on there and try and walk home. Just not <laughs> all in one go, but just start the trek back in a slightly different angle or whatever. But enough, I don't know. Bear in mind,
3: you took no maps with you. Yeah, I'd need to know the coordinates
4: from you, and then I would head towards them. Uh, I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to trust you to give me the right ones, to be honest, but um, I just figured if I walked diagonally back to the to our houses, um, I'm surely to find a jungle that way, because apparently we gave our uh, map spawn to to Lewis. Uh, you know Lewis, Pab. Um, mm-hmm. We we gave him the number and asked him to look it up because I trusted him not to sort of go, all. Oh, Sheepdog go left or something like that. I, I said to him, Don't tell us where it is. Just tell us, is there one within ten thousand blocks of home? And have I missed one along the way? And all he said was, Yes, there's one ten thousand blocks from your base. And he said, Sheepdog, you've been very unlucky, and that's all I'm gonna say. And we we assume that <laughs> means that I must have passed some. He did say it's been quite painful watching from that moment on, because the amount of times he he thought to himself, if he keeps walking in this direction he's gonna get to the jungle and then apparently I would change direction, but he wasn't telling me where to go. He just said, a couple of times you've changed direction now and you've gone away from the jungle, which
1: I found fascinating. It would be
3: interesting to know how many are within 10,000 blocks, because the one I found is about 5,000 blocks away. So I wonder if that's the only one in that range or if there's another one in a different direction that we might stumble across at some point.
4: Do you know? Again, I don't want to (laughs) know. If you were planting... That bamboo, would that, 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 I'm guessing that doesn't, and, and the trees now, I'm guessing that doesn't change the biome at all, no? No,
3: no. Because
4: I was hoping if we put the trees up, we might get a panda to live in it. There obviously. are some
3: jungle trees at our base now. There's some jungle trees, there's some bamboo, but yeah, no pandas living with us yeah. just yet.
4: Because you can't even, uh, you can only tame them, you can't make them pets, you can't, I'm not going to be able to bring one home anyway. I just don't know why I'm even worried about that. I oh, want a bird though. I did see you get two surely you could,
3: Surely you could get a panda into a boat and bring it home that way, maybe? Maybe? Maybe.
4: Wouldn't it need a mine cart or something?
3: I mean, I'm sure if anyone figures out a way, it's going to be the man whose only goal for this realm is to make a zoo.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how I would do it. I'd need enough blocks to walk across the sea, surely.
3: Yeah, unless you can get him to follow you through the Nether, he's
4: not going to follow he's me. Follow you if you're
3: holding bamboo. Maybe yeah, but if you're holding out bamboo, he might follow you. And he's not going to find much bamboo anywhere else. We've found that. We've proven that yeah. over the course of the last month. So once you get him out of that jungle, there's no more bamboo. He has to get it from you. You're his. You're his dealer. It's,
4: yeah. Well, this, I suppose this is it. He's going to be outraged. Um I just pressed a button on my game and it's throwing me a bit. I'd, I'd made a demand on the Mayans and the Celts the declared war on the Huns. I don't know how I've made that happen, but it happened just as I demanded that they respect my people's wishes. Or something. Silly goose. I'm clicking through this thinking who's at war with me? What's going on? I think I'm fine. Apparently, uh, I don't know. Yeah. This is confusing.
3: Probably this is why I'm not playing it during the podcast. I want to <laughs> be able to concentrate concentrate mm-hmm. on it on my first playthrough and figure out how it works oh, i don't think
4: i know how civilization works and i've played that for probably 50 plus hours at least <laughs> like, maybe not hundreds but definitely i mean i say probably, See, i've played probably hundreds. the
3: latest civilization for multiple hundreds probably close probably i've probably done over a thousand hours That's on civ6 across the multiple devices i love civilization and the older ones i've played even more Civ- I find that. Civilization Revolution on the Xbox 360 was the first game I got a 1,000 gamer points on. I love Civilization.
4: I am just kind of clicking randomly. I haven't really got much of a plan. For, especially these cities I didn't plan to build. I'm just sat here thinking, well, do I build them up now? Do I just hold off and merge them all into one? Will they be better if I don't do it? But yeah, uh, I don't think I am at war with anyone. don't know how that war triggered unless it was just automatic thing i don't know weird in it um and getting involved in that war though i'm just sending all of my troops to the mayan borders over and over again
3: uh but yes that was minecraft yes. everybody it's a lovely game um and that concludes my games no. for the week have you got any no. more Sheepdog? dog pa- no we
2: played oh of course together, we played we? back
3: for blood didn't we mm-hmm. i forgot about that we did um that was good
5: that was very good we we played uh, that a lot way past the eight o'clock cut off point
7: (laughs) yeah because
3: we we finally managed we did try and play it immediately after the podcast last week uh but we couldn't get connected to a server because it was just after the open beater had started so all we could do is basically wander around the little pre-game warm-up zone and we did that yeah we did that for about an hour and then gave up Um, And then, of course, me and Anna were away for the weekend and it was difficult getting all four of us together again. So we finally got together on Monday night. Was it Monday night? I I think it was Monday night. And the beta was due to end at (laughs) 8pm and we couldn't start until 7pm because Anna has to do the CBeebies bedtime hour because she is a host on CBeebies these days. Um, And, yeah, so we thought "Well, we'll get an hour in and see what we can do. And... It didn't kick us off at the end of the beta. I actually had to leave the game uh, because I had to go and get a too good to go bag from the local co op, and they didn't have it and gave me a bottle of pop instead. Ridiculous! Uh, but that was at about nine thirty. I was like, "Look, I've got to go. I've got to go and pick up this bag." Because I was so late, I didn't get my stuff. Um, but yeah, we weren't kicked off of it, and it was it was great for them. getting fingered is the new getting sucked off, and um, it's just like Left for Dead.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was very, very good fun, wasn't it? We had a great laugh. Um, we managed to do that perilous mission. Um, there were other missions we didn't get a chance to do, but we did, did We did do the boat one, didn't we?
5: Yeah, we did the boat.
4: Yeah, yeah. we survived the boat. There's more to play, obviously, uh, in the demo, let alone the rest of the game. Um, do you reckon I'll do any I'm more? I'm very features, excited or? for the full
3: game. We I should. wouldn't have thought so. Um, but full games out in October, so we don't have a huge amount of time for wait. There's there's a lot of games being teed up for the end of this year now. Uh, next month, next month FIFA. Month after, Back for Blood. Month after that, Football Manager 22. That's me sorted. WWE games are back this year as well. Oh, see, I've got oh, the Gen games. 4 Pokemon
4: remake and the uh, spin-off Legends of Arceus, which both had amazing video reveals this week. They've uh, they've they've done an, a set in the distant past Pokemon game. And it's got regional Pokemon from the past that aren't in the present that are exciting to see because, yeah, it's just interesting that they've gone down that kind of cool creative route. And you're doing the first ever Pokédex, so you have to catch different Pokemon multiple times to learn about them and weigh them and all of that. So I'm very excited about that. So, yeah, you're right. It's a massive amount of games coming out in the next six months that we can actually get to talk about for once. I guess it's the, know, it's the benefit stuff. of... A year of no games, you're getting the pop at the end, aren't we?
3: It's the most exciting a release schedule has looked for like seven or eight years as far as I'm concerned.
4: <laughs> yeah, which it's gotta be a hangover from COVID, does not it?
3: I imagine so. But yeah, Back for Blood was great. Um we only played it for like an hour and a half, two hours. I don't really have much more to say about it other than the fact it delivered everything I expected it to. It was left for dead, but shinied up um ten years later, or whatever it is, fifteen years later and um it was just it was great it was everything i wanted and i can't wait to get it and play it a lot i don't know how i'd enjoy it with randoms i think the fact that it was a team of four people and we were all on discord together and we all know each other and three of the four of us like each other (laughs) i think i think that made it (laughs) i think that made it more fun i don't think i'd want to just go on and play it with total randoms you had a little go with randoms didn't you anna i did
7: it was all right they helped
3: but you like just going on and doing stuff like that with randoms. you used to play gears of war with randoms I did. which i could i couldn't dream of playing horde mode for anything other than a social experience <laughs> i wouldn't want to just do it to play horde mode but you love all that see i so I, think...
7: I don't have to be on mic so i'm fine
4: i massively enjoyed you two shag revive me <laughs> 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 all those things that we used to say back in the day it was like again it was just being teleported back in time a little bit um it was very good fun and i thought this is gonna be we need lots of that there's that alien one that's basically the same game
3: and um sci-fi guess thing. what as well boys and girls this is another game that's going to be day one on game pass it is. Mm. i feel like i'm an advert for microsoft at this point but I mean, we've got the new Forza Horizon game. Is another one coming out. That's another one on the horizon. Ah, puns. But they're all free. It's ridiculous. They're all free. I don't understand. FIFA. It is weird, isn't it? EA, whatever it's called, is within Game Pass now. Football Manager. I know it won't be there on launch, but Football Manager the last two years has gone into Game Pass. Literally everything I'm going to play in the next six months is the mo- most of it's going into game Pass day one and the stuff that isn't will be in there by the spring
4: what is it, 11 insane. a month i think i'm paying 11 a month i don't so. even know but, enough, but yeah. it's not enough yeah, yeah no, but sure, no. It's i not mean enough. You, i do worry they're gonna bang it up eventually but at the meantime the game's good and i'm not you know gonna worry about the future but um yeah i i'm probably spending even i know you two buy a game you three sorry buy a lot more games than i do um but i'm still saving buying it this way and i'm playing infinitely more games it's ridiculous um i just as i say every time i go to buy a game at the moment it's already on there so all the ones i want are on there it's good it's good for me i'm happy i love it it's very cool
3: and now i am done so you lot can spend the final seven minutes of the podcast talking about whatever you want i'm done you're welcome
6: mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, much to add eight nine, minutes ago not
7: really
5: Trying kind to of figure out what else I've played. Uh, I've, I've started playing. Um, I've played a little bit of Slade Aspire. Have you pl- any of you played Slade Aspire before? No. Oh. Nope. I know I of
7: it, like but I've never played it. It is
5: a collectible card game akin to me. May- People are asking on stream, saying, "Never have, have I played Hearthstone before." Um, so it get it gives that kind of vibe off to it, but you're not playing against someone; you're playing against um, the computer, and you are you have like a. It, I get, I can see why people would say it's a Hearthstone because it's a card game, you know, card game like where you build a deck sort of thing. Um, and then it also has the element of FTL. Um... Sort of, yeah. You yeah, like how FDL is like a like a like a space map kind of thing, doesn't it? Uh, yep. This has like a like a you work your way up, like a kind of like you do across the the space map. You work your way up this this tower of like each each like each like interaction is like either an enemy or a, or a shop or. A rest station or something like that and you just work your way up like you can kind of, it look as like a like a like a you know, like a Star chat where you can you know, like you just ping across it and you can pick take multiple directions of which way you want to go and you can fight you can go into fights you can go into like I say into shops into rest into like a camp where you can upgrade or rest. Um and yeah I have I I knew about this game. This this is the game. this is like kinda of like the 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 standard of collectible card game, this is what people judge everything else by. Is it it's a Slay the Spire like kind of thing. This is like what people have uh know no base their other games off is like is it like Slay the Spire? Uh and it's it's very, 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 very good for one of those games that where you where you have you get given a bunch of cards and you have to then kind of fight these enemies based on what what cards you dealt. And I had some very nerve-wracking moments in it where I'm thinking, "I I don't know how to beat this. I don't know how to beat." it, And for some some way, I managed to claw myself to victory from the jaws of defeat, like multiple times. I'm going, "I don't know." I'll just sit there, baffled, going, "I don't know how to beat this. I don't know how to beat this." And suddenly, a card comes into your hand. You're like, "Okay, we can do this. That we can do this." And that'll give a Uh, an enemy a weakness to something of it and reduce its attack sound so that's not going to kill me that'll then put me put a shield on me where i can then do all this jiggery pokery and manage to get a win out of it and it's once you're dead you're dead you start again and you start from the bottom of the, the uh like the the pack um, but you can use like there's like a pro- overall progression for like yourself, and then you can unlock characters uh, upon doing that. I think you unlock two characters. I think I think I played a new character every single time I played it. Um, and yeah, it's it's genuinely fun. I played it on I played it on phone a while ago, and not enough to not enough to give a, a verdict on it because I, just, I didn't really like get into it just because it was on my phone. And I don't like I said before. I don't really like playing phones on me, games on my phone. But I, yeah, I got like a voucher for to for a game on the Play Store, and I was like, oh, that people speak highly of Slayer Spy so I played it on there, and it's it works fine on there as well. It really genuinely works absolutely fine on the phone. Um, had a very kind of like it didn't feel like a different experience on there. But yeah, it is a very good collectible card game that I can see why people set this as the like the template for all of these games is like this is what it is this is what it should be and this is what it should be going forward because it is very 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 good at being one of those kind of games if you like card games then you should definitely give it a go um but yeah other than that that is pretty much me as
3: well splendid Anna have you got any more nah well then we'll wrap this bad boy up um, make sure you follow us on Twitter, boys and go. Oh, by the way, it's only Sheepdog's birthday. We're 11 minutes yeah. in. <laughs> happy
7: birthday.
3: Uh, oh, thank Happy, you. Birthday, sheepdog. happy <laughs> retirement, Sheepdog. Thank you very much. Retirement?
7: <laughs>
3: retirement? Eh? Yeah, he's That's 67 it, years old. Can't, Can't podcast see. at this age. Exactly. That's him done. Has the rest of your hair fallen out as you've hit your birthday? What is this? <laughs> in, in all seriousness, <laughs> this, is, this is what, 50? 52?
4: 36. I uh, had to think about that. No, come on, we're
3: both being silly. He's the same let's, age as me, Kevin. Let's agree on
4: the real age now. Yeah, I'm, the,
3: I'm the third youngest on, on the podcast. <laughs> what a ridiculous way to phrase <laughs> it. I'm the fourth youngest, so we're, we're all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone tweet, everyone tweet at Sheepdog and tell him that he's old. He'll love that.
4: No, you uh, don't but, do that.
3: Hang on, Do I said it. that all the way around, Do didn't it.
4: I? I'm the second youngest, sorry. Anyway.
7: <laughs> no, you're the third.
4: But I'm the oldest. second youngest. Oldest. Anna. Kev's what? the oldest. Anna's the second. Kevin, oldest.
7: me, sheepdog, pub.
4: Yeah, I said youngest. Well,
3: you're older than sheepdog. I am yeah. by
7: a few months.
3: My word. Mm. I mean, put them two next to each other. Goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow me on Twitter at Lalujo. You can follow me at Sheepdog Six K.
7: I'm Miss Lelugio and other things. Just find Kevin, you'll find me.
5: And I'm PAB nineteen eighty six.
3: Apparently the youngest yes. on the on the podcast, which I don't know. I think it's all made up. It's all nonsense. I'm the one who plays with all the toys and things. I must be the youngest.
4: (laughs) No, you're the. I'm
3: staying up late. I'm staying up late (laughs) to watch wrestling, and I've spent my evening so far rearranging my figures. Mm. Come on. I must be younger than you people.
4: I think you're brain damaged. I don't know about you. Oh, we'll put that down. Wow. We'll,
3: we'll, we'll make a note of that one for when I finally get my autism diagnosis. Good <laughs> me. Uh, well,
4: when I get mine, I'm, oh, I'm going to be suing you. See you next week, boys
3: and girls. Have a good week. Goodbye.
4: Thanks
5: for listening,
3: folks. I always say see you next week, but we don't see them, it's audio.
0: Overline Windows Lithia Springs plant is growing and so are our wages. We have immediate opportunities for positions including CDL drivers, extrusion, maintenance technicians, pickers, packers, and forklift operators. Pay ranges between $14 to $26.50 per hour with a $1000 bonus and benefits from day 1. Text radio to 678-216-7641 to apply. That's radio to 678-216-7641. You're finally ready to reunite with loved ones. And nature is just a short drive away. So check out Verbo and find the perfect lake house, cabin, or chalet for your family reunion. Download the Verbo app. The time for getting back together is now.
6: With equipment breakdown coverage from American Family Insurance, you can protect all the things that keep your dream home running from sudden mechanical or electrical issues. Because this sound shouldn't mean. Contact your local agent or visit amfam.com to learn more. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully.
0: Dream fearlessly. Refer to policy for equipment, breakdown, covered losses, deductible, limitations, and exclusions. American Family Mutual Insurance Company has signed its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Products not available in every state. This is the sound of the kind of thrill ride summer was made for. Here's the sound of another one. At the Lexus Golden Opportunity Sales Event, you'll find great deals in our entire line of performance vehicles. Strap in, and hold on tight. Lease the 2021 NX300 300 for 359 dollars a month for 36 months with $22.99 due at signing. Experience amazing at your Atlanta-area Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer valid in the Lexus Southern area only in September 7, 2021.
2: episode, please leave us a review on iTunes.
6: Alright. Edit. No. Okay. (laughs) I think we are recording. So, yeah, this is my PC Gaming News PGN podcast. And... This is the first episode. So obviously I'm going to be a little bit nervous, but um uh, let's go into it. And so this is probably going to go up on August 25th, which is my grandma's birthday who is sitting in the room with me. <laughs> and um yeah. So I guess I'm going to start with the headline topic. Gigabyte power supplies exploding. Uh so Gamer's Nexus did a really good video on this. And yeah, so basically the story is that Newegg, um, obviously a retail store that like an online e-tail store that you can buy PC and other tech objects off of, and they were bundling these with graphics cards, which are obviously in high, in very, very high demand, <laughs> um, and they. Bundled them with these in high demand graphics cards, and then Gigabyte got I got I don't know well, it, I don't know if Gigabyte got any. Um, uh, they obviously got um, advertisement, and then that went down the drain when they exploded. So, <laughs> and yeah, so Gigabyte digging a deeper hole into to fall into stated that the power supplies were misused for a long time, essentially. I don't know the exact quote, and I am not, and I don't want to have, sorry about the chair, it's a little bit loud, but yeah, they were I believe one was used at they were stating that it was used for a long time. Sorry if this is hard to follow, but (laughs) um, they were saying the power supplies were misused at like some high load, for a long time, but one failed at sixty percent load, and the other one failed if after only two minutes and there were lots of ones that failed, and one took out a thirty eighty, which is quite bad, but it happens <laughs> <laughs> at least it was at gamer's Nexus where they have a decent supply of them, and they didn't seem too mad about it um I'm sure they were though. <laughs> But, um... It was a Gigabyte 3080, so... Maybe that's why they weren't mad about it. (laughs) Um... They both exploded. The 60% use one and the 2-minute one. Um, I don't know if they were the same one, but I'm pretty sure they were separate. They will... To their credit, they did say... They will replace broken units for their second chance at burning people's house down. That was not their quote, but that is my quote. And... Yeah. Um... But they're not recalling them Which they really should And (laughs) I wrote this in my notes They have a whole crew digging this hole And it's getting hot at the bottom (laughs) Alright In other news Social media companies Don't really know what to do About the Taliban As they are a terrorist group But also are now the government of Afghanistan Um Yeah I don't know what to think, what they should do, because I'm not particularly in line with how social media works. Nobody knows that very well, so. (laughs) And, I mean, I guess it's their choice, but I guess they are private companies, mostly. And, yeah. And then the Pixel 5a 5G. It is a phone. And it has come out pretty recently. I actually... Mom, you might hear this. But I considered asking for this phone. Pixel 5a 5G? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I like it. It's pretty much a Pixel 5 with a cut-down Pixel 5, and it has 5G. Not much to say on this, because I'm... Well, it's my first podcast, so what do you expect? (laughs) I, yeah, I like this phone, but I decided against it. I would stay with my iPhone XR that my dad is... And my mom and dad are kindly letting me use. (laughs) And... Yeah. And... This one actually affects me, my mom, and my dad because T-Mobile had a data breach. The hacker, T-Mobile claims that the hacker only has access to 40 million accounts, which like, only, but (laughs) totally only, but yeah, you get the idea. That's quite a few. And the hacker claims 100 million, which is even worse by quite a bit but the real bad part is that the data includes names birthdays and even worse social security numbers (laughs) this is not a particularly good news for anybody except for I guess the hacker or hackers I don't know probably hackers but yeah is there well this is all I have in my notes because well yeah Please consider, wherever I have this, please consider, like, I think it's going to be on Spotify, iHeart or something, and Apple Podcasts. So, consider following or whatever they let you do. And, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and have a good day. Bye!
0: If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. You strive to innovate, to propel payments forward. But what if you could do even more, access more people, and add more value? With Discover Global Network, you can. Accepted in more than 200 countries, with over 270 million cardholders around the globe. We help you grow further, faster. As the world's fastest growing payments network, see just how much progress we can make together. Discover Global Network. Accelerate progress.
3: For a thousand years, advertising was hopelessly trapped within rich media banner ads and pre roll video, cursed to be ignored for eternity. But from nerd culture, sneakers, and dank memes, a new idea emerged. An idea forged in the fires of brand marketing and popular culture
0: came the Pop Marketing Podcast.
5: Marketing podcast with your
0: host Joe Cox.
2: Hey, and welcome back to the Pop Marketing Podcast. We are back to talk pop culture, talk brand marketing, and man, I am so glad to be talking to this man right here, Ferris Jacob. Great to have you on the podcast, and great to just connect again since uh, we saw each other actually weirdly in person in tennessee amazing and wonderful
8: yes lovely to be here thank you for having me and i'm excited too also i just realized that you should do a remix of the 50 cents pimp song like you're a mother thing pmp because you're a pmp marketer
2: oh yeah no it's totally when i write it out i'm like man that's pimp but how do i how do i make a play on that but now you've just given me the answer and i thank you i'll take any of those I'll take anything you got. All right. So for those that don't know what you do or where you come from and in the world of advertising and marketing and Farris, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
8: Yes, absolutely. So I'm Farris Yacob, currently along with my wife and partner. We run a nomadic creative consultancy called Genius Steals, which means that we, by choice, Don't want to live anywhere in particular. We travel as much as we can, if not constantly pandemics allowing and go from client to client and speaking gig to speaking gig and in between try and find inspiration in the world. Before this iteration of my career, yes, I worked in advertising primarily, but in lots of different roles, media planning, comm strategy, account planning, brand strategy. For a brief period, creative director So I sort of did lots of different things in advertising in London, in Sydney, and in New York. And then I wrote a book about what I thought about advertising, which allowed us to begin different leg of our career. Yeah, so that's what we do.
2: Yeah, I think that wraps it up well. Where are you at right now?
8: Currently in Porto, Portugal. Obviously, travel was somewhat constrained in the last couple of years, which doesn't suit our natures or really our business in some ways. But we're now in Porto, Portugal, the next month or so. And then we have our first speaking gig in person in Orlando at the end of the month, which will be exciting if it happens, fingers crossed, assuming it will. But in general, yeah, we work across what I call the creative industrial spectrum with clients, with agencies of all disciplines, with media companies, and with other ancillary entities that exist in that world, be it startup or trade body.
2: I think that's what's so interesting. And that's why I want your point of view, because you get to see it from a lot of different angles and get to see it from a lot of different perspectives from clients of, you know, how kind of an agency thinks, you know, how a brand sees an idea. You see how somebody like TikTok or or Facebook is seeing ideas in the world and they're, they're different lenses, right? Like always and and your job is to understand where they're coming from. How do you get them to do something a little bit different based on where they currently are? To you, what is, when somebody says popular culture, what is it? And then what is like advertising's relationship with it? Interesting question. Very interesting. Okay, so popular culture,
8: by its definition, is things that are famous enough that people have heard of to some degree, although in the post-fragmentation world, that's increasingly less the case, right? Things that used to be famous were famous for everybody, and now things that are famous are famous for small groups of people often, which is a different of famousness, I think. But... That said, it is the, the cultural substrate through which we get all of our ideas, right? What we learn to be decent human beings growing up watching superhero movies. We learn about relationships from terrible rom-coms that think stalking is the way to find your girl. We learn about the world through the lenses of popular culture from different markets, different regions, different places. So it is the thing that we learn from and pull from in advertising there used to be this idea that advertising at its very greatest aspiration would be to sort of influence popular culture, to become part of culture, which is basically just saying our ambition is to make things famous, which I think is totally opposite, totally appropriate. That is right to me. But most of the time, I'd say advertising tends to draw from popular culture and leverage the aggregated attention that cultural assets have in order to sell or position products most of the time. And although it's impossible for brand work to become cultural touchstones, it's just less likely than people would like to believe.
2: That's where I come to, because the question always gets asked. It's an easy answer to say, yes, advertising can be popular culture. We all know it. Like, absolutely. It's got, especially in the world 20 years ago, right? Like in the world where popular culture really boomed from the 80s on, it's like, have mass i can pay for it i can get it out and so a ton of people see it and it works and it's good and i understand that it's popular culture the question i always ask is like do you think we make popular culture in advertising or do we draft off and use the stuff that's going on and use it to power and make our stuff relevant
8: Far more so yes but a sort of more epistemological level all culture does that like popular culture absorbs is popular culture and then regurgitates it and then some of the bits that become famous get dislocated from their source material right so i was reading quite a fun book called the modern Myths* by philip ball who's a science writer he talks a little bit about this as you know my company's called genius steel so I, I don't believe in originality everything comes from somewhere everything is inspired and combined and inspired and combined but things like you know, the joker from batman books which is actually this is in the grant morrison book not in the myth book but it doesn't matter the Joker is a direct copy of a, a, a villain from a movie in the 1920s. who was played by a very particular character. It's exactly the same face, the makeup, the characteristics. It was directly lifted from this movie. But now Joker is much more famous than the movie ever was. So it becomes like, oh, this is a thing. It's like, yes, but it was literally a lift and transposed into
2: a different thing. So, And now that thing is forgotten. You'll see pictures of it. And 100% people would be like, oh, that's like the joke, the old joke. Exactly. Yeah, and that happens with
8: everything. Like, culture does that. Culture is inherently recombinant. It's always reproducing. And then when you first get exposed to an idea, you're like, oh, look at this cool new thing. And it's like, well, the person who made this probably has other references that involve. Ultimately, it becomes like a measure of, again, it's just fame. Most famous version of that idea becomes kind of the dominant version of that in culture.
2: Yeah, and to talk about fame a bit, why are we... I did read Paul Fedwick's like, why does the peddler sing and very smart the accent had me the whole time. Of course I'm in because I'm like, oh, you're giving me what I want, right? You're really giving me what I want. We take things a bit too seriously explaining advertising's need to grow up because we're asking for a lot of money and people are very serious in business. And so we run from simple stuff. Of saying what we really want is to be famous, and brand and celebrity are pretty close. So, like, let's just use the same things: an idea and a person. Same. Highly
8: right, because and we talk about this still all the time, right? When we sit down to do business, grown-up stuff, our brains go into business, grown-up mode, and then we talk about business, grown-up people. So we sort of collapse all the abstract, weird, associative parts of our brain into this. Like, I want to tell you the product is good at this thing that I think you need a solution for which is fine. It's not that it's wrong necessarily. It's just very reductive in how we think about it. And I figured if it was Ogilvy or the guy who wrote Marketing Science. Anyway, someone said like, you know, in that book, don't sing your sales message. No one likes to sing whatever. And I think what Paul has been brilliant doing is he fundamentally misunderstands what we're doing, completely and utterly misunderstands what we're doing. Like entertainment is the cost of admission to someone's brain. And this is true on stage as a presenter. It's true as an advertisement. It's true with a movie, it's true with anything that goes into culture and is absorbed by the senses, right? Entertainment is the cost of admission to someone's brain.
2: Yes. And you don't see probably a lot of ideas in a modern agency that people want to push against the jingle or things that have worked for a long time of just being not having a ton of purpose or a lot of things behind it, right? Like not having, what do you think it seems to have got or has it? And I don't realize how... Why do people push against those ideas in the agent? Because they're not as easy to
8: turn into linear thought processes you can explain to accountants and financiers at one end of the buy chain, right? So the ultimate taskmasters inside an organization, like a big client one, isn't the CMO really. It's the person who gives the CMO money and to convince them to do things that don't feel very rational in the very obvious literal sense of that. I also think, to your point, the industry, because we are so fed by and immersed in popular culture. Like that's why you get into advertising, right? You want to be an artist or you just love popular culture. That's something that kind of draws us to the industry. That and getting to wear trainers to work, obviously, which is sneakers, big part of the appeal, frankly, still to me. But it's because it's very faddish, right? The nature of culture is very faddish. It spins on a dime, new things happen. And because of that, we tend to be reactive equally. We tend to react to fads and culture. And often they come not just externally, internally you have these epochs of advertising where Claude Hopkins in the like 20s and 30s wrote, marketing is now a science based on his direct response experience, essentially. And then you have the creative revolution, in the 60s, and then you sort of vert back and then digital moves things to a more analytic place. But it tends to be this, and it happens across all forms of culture, this pendulum that swings backwards and forwards, based on generations or regimes at certain marketers or whatever, where the pendulum keeps swinging. And so we go from Let's just do really fun things that entertain people, earn attention that way to let's target them at the laser level where we can track every possible action and event they've made online and use that to infer they're the perfect, efficient target for our communication. And both have obviously roles, both have roles to play, no doubt, but we tend to swing wildly from one and then overcompensate and swing wildly to the other, which is a very human thing to do. We tend to overcompensate all the time. We can't help it. You're like, oh, you were too far to the left. Next shot you'll hit will be far, far too far to the right. That's just what we tend to do as people.
2: Yeah, it's hard to fight with just our biology on certain things, especially binary is something you talked about a lot too, and wrappiness of black and white, yes or no. But boy, it feels right in your brain. And you see it. I mean, you're on Twitter a lot. You see the fight of advertising Twitter and I see both sides of it, and I'm like, hey, the answer, gang, is not 100% this side or 100% the big idea or on personalization. It's not strategic to make
8: that kind of claim anyway. It's obviously silly, right? You're like, it depends on context. It depends on lots of
2: things.
8: Like, it depends is the only appropriate response to most complex questions. But to your point, especially in the West, we're trained to think in very binary ways as a intellectual fossil of our derivation of Greek thinking as a sort of foundation of thought for Western culture, right? And in Greek thinking, they invented logic to some degree, at least. And logic has this basic principle. Things can either be or not be, but not both. Like you can't have it exists and it doesn't exist make sense together in logical terms. So we can't really get our head around that way of thinking. Whereas in the, the Eastern philosophical traditions, Everything's a lot more circular, infinite. Everything is the same thing ultimately when seen from the right point of view and so on and so forth. So they're less anchored to binary as a way of thinking, as a way of understanding reality.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. And I was going to follow that up. You get to see it, like not just see it on television or YouTube, but you get to like be in those cultures, whether in Asia, India, wherever you are, there is a difference in culturally on that thinking. Meaning like, hey... It's not yes or no, it's a mix of both and you kind of got to have both and it's okay. hundred percent. I think it's Thailand that we got this from, but the
8: expression same, same, but different to me is the best encapsulation of this problem. Like in Thailand, they say a lot, same, but different. And it's usually a way of selling you something where it's like, I want to buy this t-shirt. It's like, it's not the same t-shirt, but it's basically the same, 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 but different. Speaking language wise in English, you can't have same, same, but different. That doesn't make sense. And yet intuitively as humans, we can feel that means something, right? Definitely means something. And what it means is you've abstracted from the particular of a specific thing to it's a bit like that. And this is a bit like it. And what's the problem? It's a fine substitute. But they're they're much more flexible in that way of thinking. But yeah, it is interesting because even in the last decade of traveling quite extensively, there has been an obvious homogenizing effect of globalization and global corporations. At the very beginnings of the last decade when we're traveling, you would go to places and not recognize retail brands or brands as much. Still some, but you'll be like, oh, there's a McDonald's here now. That's cool. And then increasingly everywhere has the same global retail brands, global fast food brands, especially are everywhere. Like the same American fast food brands in every market you go to. KFC is huge in China, massive. And that is both interesting and confusing because it makes you sort of believe things are more similar than they are. And a lot of the similarities are not surface level. They're literally in how people think and what assumptions they make as a sort of base level of thing.
2: Yeah. And it leads me to like popular culture. So you get to see that too. And I find that extremely interesting because people, I don't think understand how a global of a thing, Western popular culture and what that does, how powerful that is. Like if you tell the stories, you tell the narrative, right? Like it is a extremely powerful thing, even if it's superhero movies or whatever it is, or if it's friends, like, do you find those things are universal or certain things are universal whenever you I drown? mean, there's a,
8: a village in, is it Laos, Rosie? I know they say Laos if you've been there, but I prefer Laos as there. Well. It's fine. There's a village there. It used to be a very big tourist town. It's called Vang Vien. That's right, Vang Vien. It used to be a big tourist town. It had like a lazy river with all these bars off it. and Lots of tourists would go there and get messed up. And then it became a problem. It was too messy. And the government was like, mm, calm that down, guys. But because the heyday, was literally late 90s, early 2000s, every single bar, and I'm not using this as a euphemism, I'm not being hyperbolic, I am saying every single bar and cafe in this town shows Friends on repeat on every screen. Every single one. You can go one-to-one and watch any episode of Friends you want if you just go around the town. And it's incredible to see that. They're sort of like, when they last made a lot of money, this is what drew the tourists in and they just don't know what to do now still doing it they're still doing friends or at least they were five years ago when we went but to your point in pseudo-marxist terms you can call it cultural imperialism right america's culture engine is extremely well funded and very very good well distributed and i saw this talk once at a conference really long time ago now, a really long time before i'd heard about k-pop as an idea before i'd seen parasite and the woman was talking about the cultural strategy for south korea and her insight was exactly what you said, which is that the reason you can sell Yankee blue jeans and Nike shoes all over the world is because you sold Mickey Mouse and superheroes first. And South Korea as a country went, ah, okay, so we need to sell music and movies to the rest of the world, and then we can sell them other stuff on the back end of that. Extremely so, like a government-funded like, strategy where movies designed for English audiences or at least global appeal, equally with K-pop designed to export out of that market
2: and you actually saw it like you actually have seen it in the last 20 years I
8: yeah. mean like they're doing it very consciously because they worked out the same
2: exact thing which is you sell mickey mouse then you sell yankee blue jeans it makes a lot of sense and then it makes me think like of civ the video game and that is the true cultural like sid Meier's civilization yeah that would be a cultural takeover like that is it like that is just mickey mouse games are particularly now more global than ever so you do have these kind of, you know. And not only that, but a lot of these countries are a lot more ahead of seeing taking games seriously. Korea being one of them and had a T. I remember this was in college. This is in the early 2000s of Korea having a channel for StarCraft, I believe it was. It was such a big phenomena that they had a TV channel at the time. It was a TV channel that had live StarCraft. I mean, that is so ahead of its time as to saying. I mean, Twitch is an extraordinarily
8: interesting and very powerful business now, even though it plays in a world that most people who don't play games, even people who play games, don't necessarily get why you would watch people play games. Like, there is a great deal of pleasure in it. And then, I think somebody tweeted this. It wasn't my idea. Someone was like, why do you watch someone play video games? It's so stupid. And he was like, do you watch the NFL?
2: Do you watch the Olympics? And then their brain snapped. Like you hear their brain break because they're like, everything I do. Exactly for that. I'm sorry. Are you
8: playing football?
2: No. So. Same, same, but different. Exactly. Same, same, different. Let's talk about games because games is interesting. It's impossible to keep up with. So I stopped. To my point right now, it's more of understanding the new things that are coming up. And e-games, e esports so far removed, I have to talk to people that are right in the middle of it because it's gotten so enormous and games in general okay so saying that going coming in with an insight to a brand and saying hey consumers are gamers to me is like saying hey consumers breathe yes yeah. consumers like music most people like movies or something like that some people don't like
8: movies but that's an unusual right that's like that's not the thing so we've discussed gaming a lot obviously but the esa the entertainment software association released their new report like literally a couple of days ago and now it's like 70 ish percent of Americans play games. It's higher when you get a bit younger, but adults, right? The average age of a person who plays games, because gamer, to your point, is not a designation that most people who play games think applies to them. But the average age of a gamer is like 31 years old with a house and children, because we grew up with the consoles. Whether or not you can get a PS5 at the moment
2: is obviously quite difficult. I keep checking and I'm like, come on, I'm old enough now, I can wait for it to simmer down. And I keep checking and I'm like, seriously? It's been like, I can't get my hands on it.
8: It must be because like the production process, it just seems so odd to limit the thing there. And anyway, it finds Stranger.
2: It's Sony. Like they understand how to make things and put them out into the world in mass quantity. Yes, exactly. They know how to manufacture products. It seems strange, but it also seems like whatever they're doing is working for them. But like, for sure. But no, you're right. So the game is
8: everybody, give or take, some people and therefore you need to segment the idea of people who play games and the thing about games is they are massively fragmented they're extremely different the typology of person who plays solo immersive role-playing games on console which tends to be an older player who tends to be male like myself but you know that's the thing i tend to play those games versus online network games are totally different typology of aim totally different environment totally different experience totally different audience blah 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 blah. which confuses people because they're like oh it's all the same thing i'm like no it's confusing but as i wrote about gaming as now is quite famous that it's bigger than music movies and sports combined as an industry it dwarfs these industries because people are very happy to shell 60 bucks for a video game when that game comes out or so like i wouldn't pay 30 bucks for the Black Widow released on Disney Plus. I'm like, no, I'll just wait. Why would I do that? Like, I'm fine. to wait. Thanks, though.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you trying to find the price, which I will pay, right? But 30 might be hitting the top there. Like, even with me, that really needs to see it quickly.
8: Yeah. If I had a home theater and a massive setup and that kind of thing, then maybe, and I was watching The Family, I could see the economics of that making sense, if it was about social primacy and all that kind of stuff. But even, I was like, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah,
2: But gaming... Yes, it's fragmented. Here it is. And it gets back to a bit on your book to paid attention. And I know that you've been working to write and bring that back in like six years later. Yes. It comes out
8: November 8th now. We have a publication date. Has a new cover, which I like a lot more than the old cover. So that's the best.
2: Fantastic. I can't wait. I better get a signed copy. But I will tell you this. It brings up a great transition to that because the attention are there. It's dumb. We all know that. Like the attention, there's what the stat that I think I saw you write Fortnite is like ten point four million human yes hours hours of gameplay
8: billion human hours have been spent playing Fortnite, which makes it the and look at Twitch, yeah,
2: which is just watching people play that, and then you put together all the other gaming. So the amount of attention. Is there and if our equation would work out correctly, which is to say marketers and advertisers flow ourselves directly to where the attention is right. And I think you said it in the fragmentation, but there's a lot of fragmentation now in social and everything too, but it seems easier to get to what holds brands back from involving themselves in gaming. The
8: mechanisms to get involved in game have historically been very complex, right? So you could either build your own advert games like BK did with Crispin in like 05, 06 with the Sneak King, right? It's extraordinarily expensive to do that in a way that is not terrible because making games is is just hard. Making games that people like to play is an extremely hard thing to do. When I had a digital agency in New York, we hired our own supply of like we're going to build our own products and make our own games and all that stuff. And we did, we tried to make a couple of games. It turns out, Even playing games your whole life, like all of us did in in the scene, it doesn't make you good at game design. Game design is extremely complicated. I'm like, oh, this isn't fun. Oh, it looks great. Yep. It's not fun, is it? No, it is not. It's just extremely hard. But also, game development cycles are very, very long. Three to five years, if not longer, vast amounts of money. And finding a role for brands in those spaces has been historically very complex. Then you get the option of, like, the in-game networks that basically shove programmatic ads into billboards and so on in the games which you know has some value as a lower funnel network i suppose but it's like what's the role for ads in that? a games exist somewhat discreetly from popular culture which is one of the weird things about them although i think they are the biggest popular culture we now have they don't exist in the world in the same way as music and film
2: yes and it's weird to say that because it also integrates with popular culture with nba games and different things that are th- Like It's a very strange difference, but you're right. It feels, and I don't have anything to point at, but it feels like it's separate. I agree, it does. It feels separate. And there's something very personal
8: about the agency one derives from playing a game, right? Being a character in a thing where you're in control of the situation, A, is very satisfying as a human. Agency is what we want. And Jane McGonigal wrote Reality Sucks quite a long time ago. Was it Reality Sucks? I think it is, but uh, she's great. But talking about how... Real life lacks structured progression wards and therefore games provide that in a way which we can't get, being spreadsheet jockeys or PowerPoint jockeys, information, knowledge, working live. So to that point, right. So it used to be really hard, part of the problem. And then it wasn't very satisfying when it happened. So A, there's a massive lack of knowledge and interest by the reality is broken. That's it. Reality is broken. Thank you. And it is. But also it's legacy from agencies' experiences, right? Agencies are based on art and copy. The ultimate dream of an agency generally in the old version of it is to make very expensive pieces of film that go in the Super Bowl. That's the number one thing you can do, right? And the art and craft of making film is fundamentally different to being involved in the game. It's just not the same thing at all. Ask Amazon. No matter how much money you throw at the gaming studio at Amazon, nothing comes out of that studio. Like nothing, or A single game has been produced despite billions of dollars of investment because it's hard. So that's part of it. I do think though, like until very recently, I was locked inside a, I like the console game. I play on my own. I like the immersive experience. I want to be left alone. It's a fun, the world goes away and I'm in this place. That's great. And then a couple months ago, I went on this, maybe six weeks ago, I went on a little solo retreat to a cabin in the woods on my own to clean my head and commune with nature and play the guitar and become a better human being. So long story short, I started playing Fortnite. And Fortnite is great, by the way. It is an incredibly fun game to play. That's why it is the most played game in the world in history ever. It's fun. It has a level playing field every single time. So everybody's the same. No matter how good you get, you don't get to level up in the same way. Not exactly anyway. But more importantly, the business model and the insertion model for brands is so smart and so beautiful. I just didn't understand it. I really didn't get it until I played it. And like, it's free. It's free. It's on every platform for free, which is already like, well, good reach driver. Free is very compelling to many people, especially young people, obviously. And then if you want to be involved, yeah, they just license IP from different parts of popular culture. And then rev share the skins because you get bored of playing with the same character and you get purely aesthetic variations. The game never changes, but you get bored looking at yourself the same way and you're willing to pay five bucks here or there for aesthetic variation of your character and personalization and so on. In fact, I saw, taken with a pinch of salt, obviously, because it's a Samsung award entry, but there was a Samsung award entry for for Fortnite which said, like, there was an anti-bullying skin. Because if you couldn't afford to buy your own skins, you get the default skin and everyone knows your default. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's real or not. Like, again, it's hard to say, but the insight is at least interesting. And the way they do the sort of very short-term access to the skin, so basically the skins are released for, like, a week or two weeks at a time. So either you buy them or you don't get them. So they create constant scarcity. Like, if you like this, you've got to get it now, otherwise it's gone. And you're like, that's extraordinarily smart.
2: And you'll never get it back. And, and the, the thing that's so interesting to me is that I was there at the specific place in time and I will watch younger people play the game and be like, that person is deadly. They don't even haven't seen the person play. They just know by the skin, that person was here from the beginning, or and they even do in chapters. And I think what it brings up for Fortnite is you're right, the plumbing is so brilliant because esports is the same way. Think about it you get to design a world, you get to design a world like that is made for a lot of e games were not interesting to watch on video screens. They just were not interesting. It was a bore. It was maybe fun to play it, but it wasn't made for it. So they just designed games. Live Fortnite that we're like, cool, we're going to design it for that. So designing it for brands and for popular culture to participate in exactly what Fortnite's done. You're right. To write and on. you're right. It's
8: a great insight, by the way, because like it used to be you watched games being played for the hilarious commentary. That's how the sort of early streamers got their commentary and or, you know, there was a weird thing where the women would be playing in
2: bikinis from the bath on Twitch, which was a. It's still going almost overtaken it. they've had some problems
8: yeah and there was the asmr thing that got banned where she would lick the microphone in a horse's head and i was like is this a game i'm really confused to what's happening now but i do think to your point like games weren't built for audiences when i was in media a long time ago i guess in the uk back when media parties happened and they would try and take out all the media planners from agencies and, and entertain them like the cinema people The sole cinema media space would take us to a party. went to this party once and we went to a cinema and it's all for us. And we could play video games on a cinema screen. And it was just an incredible experience. It's just like, wow, it's really very big indeed. Like it's a very weird and amazing thing. But to your point, the games were not designed for that kind of thing. And so now it's like, will this look good from other people? One of the things about Fortnite that I think is so brilliant, when you die, you then watch the person who kills you play. So smart. It's so very, very smart because... It's always satisfying to see what happens to them. If they go on to win the whole thing, you're validated in your loss. You feel good about it. And if they get killed, you feel good about that too. And so it's like, it's brilliant and simple and small. And it's is like, are you just watching them play? And I'm like, yes. But they killed me. So I, I want to see what they're up to.
2: Yeah, it is. And I think that there is a lot to be said of this the power that games have to be able to design it towards what they need it to do. Like to. Like, okay, I need to design it so people are, like, the world's changing. I need it to design it so you can't do that with reality, right? Like, you can't you can't do it that way. And you'll see sport, and it's very similar to sports. Like, baseball really wasn't made to be on television. American baseball, it's made to be seen in a large venue when you're sitting there because there's all this stuff going on. And I'm not a, I, that's not my enjoyment, but, like, I've been told this. It doesn't translate well the the medium of television so you have something now that games you can it's really mind blowing especially esports the more i look into it because what i didn't realize is that think about it you don't only own the teams but you own the game like no one owns football no one owns soccer it's just impossible but you actually have control of the game of X as well as the teams and everything that goes into it it's no it's an interesting play and what I also didn't realize is that there are streamers on teams that are part of the team they might not be a competitor but they're the streamers they're the hype people every esports team there is a entertainment person that is their streamers or a few streamers that are just there they wear the jerseys they are part of the team they are part of that experience and they are of it as a modern mascot it's part of the overall team they have the popularity right they have the it factor and the celebrity that brings it to that team and i'm like good lord that is like designed for this culture right like that we're in now
8: it was super interesting to me seeing i didn't see the travis scott Fortnite experience because it predates my gaming but it made sense to me analogously when you were talking about this sort of shift because Games, as I said, they still sell for a lot of money, but you've got the free games, which is a whole different market in some ways on free mobile, casual gaming. The audience for that is mostly 55 plus women and children, but it, like, it's a very stable core audience of people who like free gaming. Cool. That said, you can still charge 50, 60 bucks for a new release for anything and it still works. And so because of that, they haven't been super forced to reinvent business models, right? But it sort of reminds me of like, you know, 20 years ago, when music became a very different idea, like music now isn't a product you sell. It's advertising for other products that you sell, right? Advertising for very high margin shows, advertising for licensing, which is very high margin. Selling records itself isn't profit driver in a particular way if you're a big star, right? And it feels like music will go to that point at some point where somebody will realize there's different business models that are totally working now and viable because we're all plugged in and we have decent bandwidth in most places that will be like, okay, we don't buy the game anymore. This is what Fortnite did. Don't buy the game anymore. or The game is the advertising. We earn our right to play with you by being entertaining, as we said before, right? Entertainment is the right of admission. And then we make the incorporation of branded assets seamless and actually desirable rather than the idea of you're buying ads. Whenever you're buying an ad, I feel like that's a wonderfully interesting place for us to be. It's like, I just made this ad for my new movie. Do you want to buy it? I'm like, nah. it's so fundamentally different to how we used to think about advertising.
2: One more Fortnite piece. So do you feel, and have you played it enough to where you're feeling, I think it's interesting. I don't know who to attribute this to, but that idea of modern games being the fe like really social media 2.0 is really just games, right? Like look at Roblox. I have a lot of experience in Roblox and it is, it is a mind bender to watch a seven-year-old so easily transition to socializing. When she can't play with a friend, she just jumps on and plays with her friend. When she leaves, the friend will be here in person and then the friend will leave and then they continue to just play transitionally. And it'll, it's so seamless for her and comfortable for her. I, like you, am that person that kind of, I played games on my own and maybe had a friend over with another controller then where I would watch the game, but it was my own immersive experience. No longer there. Do you see that kind of going on? Do you see the power in that being like metaverse? If you have children, you know about Roblox and then IPO and is now worth more than all of the
8: advertising holding companies combined quite easily. $50 billion markup now. Just that one gaming company is worth more than all the advertising agencies in the entire world put together, which is and probably appropriate. It's a highly scalable thing that kids really love. But to your
2: point. Again, Roblox free. Go in. Ubiquitous all over everything. So it is, you can play on anything and it, and it scales that way. And pretty horrendous graphics. If you're like this company is that big. There's something interesting about
8: building platforms across other people's platforms. Something very satisfying to me about that. It's like I built a platform which runs horizontally across all these own platforms and they can't not put it on there because the demand is so strong. It's brilliant, I think. But to your point, what put me off Fortnite to begin with was the social aspect. I did not want to be hanging out and making friends when I'm playing games. That wasn't my use case. It wasn't my need state. What I like about Fortnite is every battle royale is a bunch of random people and almost transactional social relationships rather than long-term ones i find easier but i can see that with roblox the the stickiness comes from that's where you hang out and that's probably to tip it towards a facebook conversation it's more likely the metaverse is going to emerge from fortnite or roblox than it is from facebook realistically right maybe the vr oculus version of the metaverse which i sort of predicted would happen in 2014 frankly but hey no big deal is the next stage on where we are very used to plugging ourselves into immersive screen like Full VR experiences but like it's super niche and VR is very isolating it's fun like Will have Rosie's dad's got an oculus and like, it's fun we'll, we'll go over to hang at the house for family occasions and somebody will play and it's fun to watch somebody playing VR headset on because it looks so stupid and they're running around bashing beat Saber or whatever
2: absolutely and I find it to be fun for the first few times I mean every time friends came over I'd have them walk a plank Somebody would fall off, and it was fantastic. And everybody was like, this is going to change the world. People went out and bought it. And then three months later, it's almost like the old Nintendo Wii. Like, it just sat there. Yep, 100%, yes. It's, It's all gimmick. It doesn't
8: have the grammar of gaming that makes it work as a system yet. Well, it's getting cheaper and better and lighter. These are all necessary steps towards that evolution for sure. I don't think it doesn't feel social in that way. Whereas like, I think what I've liked about Fortnite now is that it's like social touch. There's real people. I don't have to know who they are or engage with them in any way apart from shooting them or them shooting me.
2: The pressure isn't there to be social. If you don't want to, I can turn the mic off, I can turn it on and then it becomes, and I remember hearing this 10 years ago, one of my friends is an entrepreneur and he was like, Call of Duty is my golf, playing golf with business people. Like that's my, I don't play golf. I get on with business associates and we play call of duty and that is, and we talk to each other and we do our meeting or whatever. In that. And that I always was so fascinated with that, with, with that thought. And I think what's cool about gaming is it can be both a socially, we can play and talk to each other and catch up. And we're still feel like we're playing or i wanted this immersive thing for myself
8: no i think that's a gateway drug so i used to be i'm not a fan of the first person shooter it's a high pressure environment it's too much stress everybody's very good already because they but if you go back to goldeneye goldeneye was a purely social experience right goldeneye was an amazing game because four of you could play a satisfying experience with four of you and there are still very few four player games that are satisfying to play right mario kart's the only real standout four player there are That anyone can kind of jump on to? Yes, 100%. And it feels unintimidating. Although, if Nintendo's listening, can you please release a new Mario Kart? What is going on with that? It's been like a decade, I feel like, since Mario Kart 8 came out. And you could do DLCs. You could have new levels for Mario Kart. Why wouldn't you just sell me some new levels? I want to give you my money. I don't understand what I have to do.
2: Nintendo, I don't understand. Like They just do things... At their own push and pace. Which I love them for, which is what's making them wonderful and
8: interesting. But occasionally it's like, no, I just, there's money here for you. You can have it. Just give me a couple.
2: Just more level.
8: There. Just add to the mm. level. Give me just something to play differently so I can play. You know.
2: Even if it was new skins, I'd probably just be fine. if you just the model
8: is right there. It's being described by other companies. and I read this it's in Range, that book Range by David Thien, not the other SCP.
2: You are always any Epstein, you have yeah. To say I know it's problematic.
8: because yeah. branding is somewhat toxic now, but Range, but it's a very good book. I really enjoyed it. It obviously reaffirms reaffirms my existing beliefs in generalists being more universally useful than specialists. But then I would think that. But that said, the story of Nintendo, back to what we were discussing before, like one of the frustrations I have with popular, let's call it intellectual culture podcasts and the like, books about behavioral economics or whatever. Oh no, sorry. I was talking to my friend Noah about this before this. He's like, thinks behavioral economics is like a mind virus. It's like a conspiracy theory. Everybody knows about it, but no one really understands it. And every podcast you listen to about any topic at some point mentions Daniel Kahneman. I call it the Kahneman index, where how long before you mention Daniel Kahneman, your book or podcast dictates how likely I am to finish that. Because I'm like, I've read his books. I have read them. I know all this stuff. It's like, oh, I get that he's the giant of this entire thing, but like, we have to find new case studies to talk about because I can't read the same thing again and again.
2: Well, it's, yes, it's why, it's everything, and we see this happen to where things catch, and then it's like, sounds good, and everybody says it. But not really. Everyone's adaptive,
8: evolutionarily speaking, and the world changed. Not the same thing. That's okay. But anyway, in range, talks about the history of Nintendo and how they were a trading card company and a sort of wooden toy company, and they did a couple of mega pivots into taking ridiculous leaps like hugely difficult leaps of business and then working within the constraints of 8-bit processing music wise and graphics wise which led to so many of the distinctive features of mario and so on and so forth like it's just it's one of those innovation stories i've not heard over and over again and just reading it it's like wow that's it's just super interesting as a company
2: yeah it is and it's also a really interesting example of something that is not western really popular culture that doesn't begin there and how very different it is. And how it just gets enveloped into the Western as an aesthetic, right? Like anime, a lot of Japanese. I mean, they just after World War II, it's an interesting, very interesting story of how toys and imagination and and popular culture there got to where it is.
8: Such a good point that had not occurred to me at all. But yeah, video game culture is not Western culture. It comes from somewhere else primarily. Like it reminds me of, I'm sure we played many board games together when we had chance to be in person, but like the reason games like Settlers of Catan and those kinds of games all come out of Germany. World game tradition is basically post-World War II where most games are involving conflict. Chess is a conflict game. Risk is obviously a conflict game. And Germany's like, yeah, we don't feel good about that. So <laughs> their games are very different. So collaborative games come out of that system, like asset building games, growing games, building a town games. All these games come out from different mechanics because of their culture going... Conflict is not the only mode of engagement between two people that want to spend some time together doing something silly.
2: Yeah, that is really interesting. I didn't think of that and it makes sense and similar to Japan too, of like of them being in a place of very little resources and being pretty much not having anything to make stuff on. So, hey, we're just going to make stories and, and toys and ideas more. So I do want to get back before you have to take off with paid attention coming out in November, congrats, that's awesome, that's like coming up. What's changed? What made you say, hey, I need to take a fresh look at this this book with, you pegged it a lot for 2015 of where it's going and our need to, our understanding to say, hey, you have to earn the attention as well into these new channels. And you have to understand that and filter our ideas through that. How has it changed? So a couple of things. One, which is, I think I was right about
8: some stuff and really wrong about some things too, which I think is appropriate and fine. In very specific terms, the way in which we can measure attention went from being an abstract idea to being a thing. Thanks to companies like Lumen and Adelaide, Karen Nelson Field's new book, The Attention Economy, somebody worked out how you could turn a webcam on your phone or your computer into an attention tracking, eye tracking piece of software device, right? And once they realized that, eye-tracking attention-based data went from being very, very expensive to work out to being available and possible. That That's a huge change because now it's like, we can tell you people, when you're looking at a stream and your eye's on an ad for 0.3 of a second, you're like, does that mean something or not? Like, it may mean something. It isn't what I thought we were buying in terms of media terms. So there's a whole different conversation around how we value and price and trade media because media impressions are a proxy for human attention. They sell opportunities they sell access to attention they don't sell the attention and then maybe different platforms have fundamentally different tensional thresholds people on cinema screens will watch three minutes of indulgent like fragrance movie made by Baz Luhrmann or whatever but people coming through Twitter will not and we sort of know that now right and like they're just fundamentally different places in which media can be aggregated attention is aggregated I mean that's part of it part of it is also like Very transparently, the negative externalities of digital media have become more and more obvious in the last few years for lots of reasons, right? Disinformation beyond the polarization, beyond the fomenting of coups, which is happening mostly on social media or was, I was extremely bullish as a younger person about what I thought Google and to some degree Facebook represented about a new way of doing advertising, a new way of thinking about our relationships with people a new way of thinking about how companies and people interact in a sort of mutually beneficial way. That didn't come to pass the way I thought it would. Digital obviously became the dominant medium, but everybody knew that for a long time. We just, so I thought that needed a little bit of changing. So slight, I mean, most of it I left in the sense that I wanted to be honest and true about how I felt, but I wanted to footnote things or make things clear that I have other thoughts too now that are more nuanced about the digital future that I was very excited about. That was part of and then just generally that the discourse about attention and advertising went from being a niche idea when I was first published to now being quite a dominant conversation because of things like the attention council, because people are really putting money behind thinking about how attention metrics could be applied to media planning and buying and trading and so on, because what I call peak attention has been reached in like mature markets, America, New Zealand, UK, and almost in Australia. So Peak attention is where media consumption plateaus at a certain point. There's usually about 12 hours a day of consumption, depending on how you measure that, which is a different confusion. But once you hit about 12 hours a day in the US, it goes up like 1201, 1202, 1206 minutes a year. It's very hard to get more time from people because they have to sleep and eat and use the restroom, I assume. Although most of us are on the phone or the restroom now, which is not very hygienic, but let's be honest, we all do that, right? But So because of that, attention gets sort of peaked. So the nature of attention... The amount of available attention, like low-hanging fruit, is gone. Now attention is a zero-sum game. You have to fight other people for it. If you want it, someone else has already got it. So you have to provide something competitively interesting. It's a non-zero-sum game, kind of. So I think that's interesting. And I also think as a function of that, people who are very smart at the psychological and sociological and engineering-based manipulation of humans en masse have been forced to go, we can't grow our audience any further, right? Once Facebook hit 3 billion this week, right? There's not many more people left to grow and growth is a mandate, obviously, because of finance and Wall Street and so on. So what do you do? Well, you have to get more time. You have to get more attention from people that you've already got on your platform, which leads to certain kinds of behaviors that I think have been deleterious to the industry as a whole and has led to humans going, I don't feel good anymore when I spend six hours doom scrolling. I feel bad. What do I do about that? Hence the rise of meditation in the last decade, the rise of you know, trying to be less digital or whatever it is. Like, I think we've become culturally aware that our attention is a valuable commodity, but it shouldn't be understood as a commodity. It should be understood as this like rarefied, um, literally the substance of your existence. Like how you live your life is a function of how you direct your attention and who you choose to become in the future is also a function thereof. What you put into your head changes who you are, changes what you think, right?
2: Yeah, and you say it, and it, I'm taking it directly from you, but you are what you eat. And if what you spend time with, and this has always been the case, in anything you do, change your friends, change your perspective, change your anything. And it is like, hey, we have to understand as people how important attention is to who we are. and But brands, Sorry, corporations, technologies need to understand.
8: And metaphors are very important. Like when the idea that data is the new oil or attention is commodity was sort of coined and played with, it's because there's a sort of vast amount of money which can be created from this resource, right? But when we call something a commodity, the nature of late-stage capitalism is to strip mine it to the point where it no longer, you know what I mean? That's what we, oh, here's a commodity. I will monetize it until it's all gone. And that from a person point of view is unhealthy for all of us, right? We don't want to live in a metaverse. I'd like access to one, for sure, that sounds amazing. Why wouldn't I want to do that? I don't want to live in one. I want to have that choice. I don't want to be the guy in Wally in the chair with the screen, right? I want to be a, like your daughter, like an integrated human being that can move seamlessly from one to the other when it suits my needs. But I don't want to be colonized without my consent. And so that's the whole thing, which is like, attention is something you choose to allocate, but it can be stolen from you through mechanisms you don't have much understanding of, especially if you're tired, especially if you're hungry, especially if you're frightened. Like all these things lead you to be more easily sucked back in doom scrolling or whatever. So brands want it, they should learn to respect it.
2: Well put and like completely on board. That is a place where I can actually say like, It's tough because the market, you have Facebook, it's a public company. We have built uh, 300 million people in the United States or everybody on earth that can is on there. Well, how are you going to make that price go up and to the right? And it is time and an algorithm doesn't care how that time, if you want to get more time, it's going to give you more time, right? And so, and I get it. We are learning. We are toddlers to me still in this world that we have invented and of course I'm glad we're getting to it earlier than later and that humans are getting it earlier and later but I think brands have a lot you can't just say I'm running an ad or a thing on a piece of content and not have any repercussions because at the end of the day and people don't get this we should as professionals but if you are paying for that piece of if you're sponsoring that content
8: I have swung full 60 like I used to get very angry I still do like certain large advertisers would threaten to pull media spend from certain publications if they ran negative stories about them, which is a horribly difficult thing to... That should not be allowed. You can't affect editorial that way. That said, every dollar you put into a certain medium is a choice that you've made strategically, and it's a choice that represents your brand values in its totality. And if you sponsor a hate speech, and that's bad... And if you do it accidentally, that's also bad. <laughs> like it's still your responsibility to not do that accidentally, despite the opacity of the media supply chain as it currently exists. Right? That's just bad. And so you have to make a choice. You're like, if I have values and I believe in purpose, you can't support things that are genuinely toxic. That's a choice. And it's not like, oh, we can't decide what media does. It's not, no advertising has always done this. Like the reason American media used to have what's called fair balance. It's because previously, newspapers were funded by rich people and political parties. They were just propaganda magazines. That's all they were. And then when advertising became the mechanism to fund them, because advertising, when it wants to be mass, has to appeal to both sides of the aisle, let's say, especially in America, which is somewhat polarized, they required fair balance. They said, no, it has to be a view from nowhere. That was the whole expression, right? A view from nowhere, because it's like we can't upset anybody. And that seems to have gone away where it's like, we just cover both bases. We cover bases wherever they, audience buying idea. We find them wherever they are. And I'm like, no, you're still endorsing that. Your money is, you don't get to spend money in the billions without coming with consequences. It's not neutral. They cannot be neutral. That's just not how it works.
2: Yeah. And then also interesting, it's gone completely the other way where it's the idea is, oh, we can get more attention by disrupting, by, because anger does a really good job of attention. So it's like, okay, if attention is the gold mine, let's get attention. That's why I wanted to add in a tiny queue.
8: Like, so the quality of the attention is very important, not just the quantity, but equally, I would argue the qualia of the attention is important. And that's an obnoxious term. I accept that. But the qualia means your lived experience of something, right? The way you experience in your head. And if you're reading something and it makes you really angry, does your brand really get much benefit from being in those spaces? does anger suit your brand's need i I just feel like thinking about that subjectivity in response to media would lead us to make different choices
2: than we're currently making i think a a uh, the idea and what you talk about a lot and i would have people check out your pieces before that on just the idea of media diets and what what you're putting in and then on the other side of it it was brands understanding more of the responsibility and just not talking out of two sides of your mouth sorry you can't be all purpose driven, you can't do it, and then have sponsoring content that is doing X, Y, and C. Sorry, it's just it's not how it works. it's
8: also it's like the idea of brand as a sort of cipher for personality, which is a sort of relatively modern idea since the evolution of account planning in the seventies. The idea is the personalities do have dimensions, you can have different interests, but there has to be some cohesion. And if you can say two completely opposite things and they're both fine within your brand personality, then there's no sense of cohesion
2: there. That can't be something that feels real. What about personal? I know popular culture and as a bigger term, what how is it playing in your life right now and over like pandemic? Like, what have you been paying attention to in that world? Fortnite. Fortnite became a big
8: part of it recently-ish. I was playing a lot of video games. I was going back to watch. I watched community straight through from the beginning during the pandemic because best sitcom in the world, and makes me happy. I was very much doing escapism stuff, very much in that mode, extremely so. One of the interesting things about leaving America and now being in Portugal is that I don't watch Portuguese television, I don't understand Portuguese newspapers. So everything is quieter as soon as you get out of your own media market. So it becomes much more selective, much more I want to watch this particular show, this particular thing, rather than being surrounded by culture, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, because you can't literally understand, like it doesn't, it's not pulling you in any way. A headline or a picture even of somebody famous there or a politician just isn't, doesn't pull you. So you're not the target.
8: Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because we move quite a lot. We used to, and we will again, hopefully. So you get used to that silence. So being in America was very loud for me, particularly in the pandemic, where all you did was consume media and go for your one hour walk a day or whatever. So it just got really loud. It was just too much. I still obviously consume a great deal of Twitter, like a vast amount of it. By itself, I can manage it and tolerate it. But when it's like the backbone to a huge ecosystem of shouting, like it is sometimes in America, it just was too much for me. So I was dialing it down.
2: I think that's a great transition to If you want to find Ferris, Twitter would probably be a great place to connect and pick up on. And you're better than... Pretty much anybody I know at my feed has changed over the years from it's like a garden that needs curated, right? Like I have to be selective of that. And I just want ideas, honestly, just like when I read books, I'm hunting, I'm hunting for interesting and ideas and that's okay. So I'll stop a book a quarter of a way through if I'm not finding what I need and I don't feel guilt, but on Twitter, I, you are on that list and I'd tell anybody to follow you there because it's very easy to know what you're catching up on and doing as well as the stuff that you're writing and and putting out there on work, other places and what things you and Rosie are are speaking at and doing things. So I would say that would probably be the place to go.
8: Yeah, at Farris on Twitter. I was early, just me.
2: Well done. And then Genius Steals too. Uh, Do you wanna talk about the community at all?
8: Yes, so A, we have a newsletter which is now out to 12,000 people around the world in in the creative industries, advertising, marketing and beyond which is sort of uh, the interstitial part between Speaking and like, so the school was a a thing we came up with a couple of years ago, and then during the pandemic, had time to actually begin to build. The School of Stone and Genius is a continual experiment in community around the content that germinate and create professionally. So there's a lot of advertising and creative thinking parts of it, but we're increasingly just bringing more and more people to the community. So we had a good friend of ours, artist Steve Chapman, present last week, and we're trying to be as diverse in our inputs as our company's thesis requires us to be, right? We were originally creating a newsletter ourselves and we realized that's not enough. So we now have one edition we do a week and one edition guest creators every week. So a new different guest creator every week does it because we want more voices and we can't, even though I read a lot of things and Rosie reads a lot of things, we can't read everything drawn to our interests inevitably. And I want people who are doing other stuff that can tell me why I don't know about these things. And the school, yeah, it's been a really fun experiment. It was transparently, like socially, it was really important to us during the pandemic to have these regular meetups or like, as you know, the little programs, we did the the leadership community, six weeks of weekly meetups and exercises and that stuff. Those sort of things were very life-giving during the pandemic. And yeah, we're still working on it. The platform is still, there's some things we like, some things we don't like. We want it to be better in some ways. We're working with a partner now to try and build it into something that we are very happy with but as of the beginnings of something it's definitely it's probably what the future of our business realistically will be right like the long-term future will be something like this and then the gigs will be gravy but i still miss being on stage i miss it a lot so i can't wait for that to come back
2: yeah i did it for the first time at last week in chicago the easy crowd though insurance in easy crowd like you a- No, you can get them rolling. I had them at a good time near happy hour. And it was, yes, I can't wait for you to get back on the stage either. But I will say it's hard for you all to see it from the viewpoint of users. I I am a member. And I would say like, I see the value is a I steal a lot of your ideas and put them where needed documents of of all kinds right so there is that library pieces and and all the time instead of just tweeting you which you will say hey here's that piece that i was talking about and just like i said idea hunters so like introductions to a new person or a new thought or a new pov or whatever somebody else that is super valuable i'm just just a really diverse in mind and and everything else group from all over the world it's a great piece any budding marketers and or ad folk out there man they don't have to be ad folk like good lord bring more people that aren't
8: 100 percent. yeah we sort of try and balance the inside baseball with the sort of broad creative and strategic thinking stuff which is you know less specific about how to write a creative brief and more about how to think about things or how to be inspired when you're stuck at home which is a big thing we've been thinking about the last year which is fundamentally, we believe new experiences are important for human beings. They make you nicer and smarter. And if they're in other countries, less racist. So bonus. But it's hard to do that for lots of reasons. You have a job, you have a kid, you're in a pandemic. And so what we can do to get to new experiences without leaving the laptop, which is a big part of what school's trying to do, is kind of what we've been thinking a lot about.
2: Thank you for coming on here. It's just great to catch up and finally talk some pop culture talk with you and yeah find you on twitter find stolen genius school of stolen genius and i wish you a fantastic evening over there and uh, thanks for being part friday night it's time and yeah thanks for coming on the pop marketing podcast and see everybody next time
0: Silverline windows lithia springs plant is growing and so are our wages we have immediate opportunities for positions including cdl drivers extrusion maintenance technicians pickers packers and forklift operators pay ranges between 14 to 26 dollars and 50 cents per hour with a one thousand dollar bonus and benefits from day one text radio to 678-216-7641 to apply that's radio to 678-216-7641 Verbo has private whole vacation homes for the whole family. So whether it's around the pool or patio, you'll have the space and privacy to reconnect with the people you love. Download the Verbo app. The time for getting back together is now.